What are lesser demons? They're demons of the underworld. Okay, actually talk in your mic, though. Demons of the underworld, defeated by Gandalf the Grey. Welcome to Otaku Brothers, your friendly neighborhood gaming podcast featuring Rusty, R.E. Lewis 2011, and Ryan. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 71 of Otaku Brothers. My name is Rusty and today on this fine Saturday I'm joined, as I always am, by my brother-in-law, Ryan. How are we doing? Doing good. Yeah, there is a uh, virus taking over China. It's spread here and into France, so we're doing great. Yeah, that is a scary thing going on. Bring on second Ebola. (laughs) That lasted like a week. Do we know how quickly that's spreading? What, Ebola? No, this virus that broke out in China. Pretty quick. Is it? Yeah. Um, I'm ready for a second plague. I just want to see how that, like, it's interesting to see how we react. Mm -hmm. The problem is... Those cities in China are so densely populated that it spreads so quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yesterday, we um, I was doing chess day. Mm-hmm. Super interesting story. And while I'm I was intrigued. Do, like midway through like one of my presses, I was thinking, I was like, so it's like the what Corona, coronal virus or whatever, yeah, something like that. And I was like coronavirus we got corona corona beer you have that thing in your eye that i couldn't think of the name um yes yes and then i was like stars and my dad's like what are you talking about ryan i was like i'm trying to figure out why it was named what it was named dude i just moved the fire back here i moved the candle back because it makes noises oh can you hear it yeah okay um it's so it's the cornea yes it's we i had to google it because i'm like eye anatomy so you got cornea and then uh the corona it's the outline of a star during an eclipse it's that plasma ring i knew that yeah so that's actually why i was named that because the welts or whatever you get on yourself has those little rings Ooh. so that's why it's named the corona so what is it is it like a skin infection a bacterial eating disease i'm not really sure i read something about it monday but so many things happened this week that i've completely forgot what it is okay um I don't I don't think it spreads virally yet, but I don't think they fully understand how it spreads. That's terrifying. Yeah, so we'll see. It it should be an interesting couple weeks. Awesome. We don't typically talk about, you know, death and <laughs> diseases <laughs> and whatever else, Ebola. We talk about video games. And so this yeah. week on the Otaku Brothers well, podcast, we we're really segueing and segueing into was Dead Island 3. Is was announced this week. Was it really? No. <laughs> I was trying to recover. <laughs> well, failed attempt. Yeah. Take two. The Last of Us 2 is coming out this year. That's probably more relevant. That probably is. This is the Otaku Brothers podcast. We talk about video games. And this week, we are going to be talking about our top 10 games of the decade. We promised it probably months ago, but we kept delaying it because we had so many top 10 list type episodes, you know, back to back to back and... Life got in the way, but here we are today to talk about that. So we have a nice backlog of emails from all of you fine people, the listeners, who wrote in with some of your top 10, top 5 games of the decade, uh, or however you kind of consider your games of the decade, your adulthood games. There are really no real restrictions on this 
this episode or however you created your list. Ryan and I um, also don't have any real restrictions, but we will be getting to that in the back half of the show. What we have to do first is talk about our weeks, Ryan. Okay. How was your week? Miserable as usual? Yeah, it was busy. Um, I had some meetings with Lauren. She sucks. Uh, no, <laughs> no, yeah, it was just busy as normal. I had some... I can't really talk about a ton. I had some random company was like, yo, I know we didn't tell you about this, but we want to cut your material with some Russian material. Oh. And we got... Disregard sanctions and tariffs on that country, but yeah, just in quality concerns. It was just, it was a confusing Friday for us all. Mm-hmm. So interesting. Well, I had an equally interesting week at work. So, couple, well, not even a couple months ago, it was like last year, uh, probably like March time frame. Mm-hmm. I did this white paper, which if you're not familiar with what a white paper oh, is. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Lauren told me about this. She did? Yeah. Okay. I will. The listeners don't know about this, okay. so I will refresh their minds or however you want to introduce that to their minds. That's right. So <laughs> last March or so, I did this white paper for my office, which if you don't know what a white paper is, it's kind of like a research paper about a specific topic and me being an internal audit, it's kind of identifying all the potential risks and control considerations for this technology, emerging risk, whatever it might be. And so I did mine on DevOps, which I'm not going to get into all the intricacies of what DevOps is. You can Google that stuff. It's probably as thrilling as my Pokemon conversation. It probably at this is. Point. Yeah. So, anyways, here's how the operating system works in C++. If you use a comma after an ampersand, you're going to have some deadly. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so. You know, we, we published the white paper. It went through all of the reviews. All was fine and dandy. We distributed it around our organization. Well, a couple months go by, and this higher-up VP gets his hands on it, reaches out to my director, loves it, thinks it's like fantastic, um, just ranted and raved about this white paper and said, you guys should consider going to the DevOps Summit um, and presenting there. So I have obviously wasn't privy to this information. My director comes over. She was supposed to go to someone else's office, but she kind of did a flyby and was like, hey, Rusty, guess what? I'm like, well, what's going on? Um, so-and-so read this this white paper, loved it, and suggested that we go to the DevOps Summit and present. And I was kind of just like, great. You know, I had one earbud in, was listening to my Pokemon music, whatever the hell I was listening <laughs> yeah. to. And then she walks away. Well, we get back from the Christmas break, and she says, hey, there are a few people involved in writing the white paper, myself and, and one other gentleman. And so she sends us an email and says, hey, um, out on the share drive, I have a draft of the proposal for presenting at the DevOps Summit. Would you guys take a look? If you have any feedback or suggestions, revisions, let me know. So Andy and I didn't really think a whole lot of that. We were kind of like, whatever. Well, last Friday, we kind of synced up and figured we should probably take a look at this. We did. It looks great. We, we sent a note to her, you know, just suggesting, hey, we don't have any suggestions. We do want to kind of connect and figure out, like, what does this really entail? Well, Couple nights ago, I think it was Wednesday, I went out with some of my coworkers, including Andy, and we were walking to this ramen restaurant. Mm-hmm. And we, I was, and we were supposed to meet Thursday with her to talk about the plan, who would be presenting, what all that would entail, the research we'd have to do to prepare. And she, and Andy's like, "Yeah, I don't, I don't really think I want to do this, Rusty." And I was like, "I don't really want to get up in front of people and present about this either, because we're kind of like eight months removed from this, so we're yeah. not." It's not top of mind. We'd really, we, we made it up. <laughs> well, 
So no, when you do you. a white paper, it's largely borrowing from other people's experiences, mm-hmm. wordsmithing and making that your own. It's not DevOps is such a new emerging topic that we haven't really audited in that space. Okay. It's not something that we have practical in the trenches experience with. So it, DevOps is a program? DevOps is a concept. It's the concept of developers and operators coming together. So developers who are creating the code, mm-hmm. migrating it into production, and then the operators are the ones who are on the front lines experiencing the results or the consequences uh, so of that code. So it's just like feedback to the people who have the ability. So for to you like and Lauren, who are the of. buyers, you're, you're on the front lines of the supply chain piece. It'd be yeah. like you and engineers in the same room, two completely different co- like mindsets coming together and thinking on the same okay so like the same way we have like process engineers was that you or me that was me okay but we're gonna hopefully ignore that for now okay that Um, never happened guys so anyways andy and i are walking he's like yeah i just don't think i want to go to las vegas and speak in front of potentially hundreds of people and i was like uh what this isn't just in you know central our state and he's like, no, Rusty, like you'd fly out to Las Vegas. This is a global conference. People from all over the world come to this, and you'd poss- potentially be getting up in front of hundreds of people and speaking. <laughs> You're like, if I didn't want to do it before, I don't want to do it now. <laughs> so after I shit bricks, passed out, and woke up in a hospital the next day, I had to reconsider my, you know, potentially doing this. I went home and told Lauren about it. She didn't even let me finish my sentence and was like, you absolutely have to do this. This would be an amazing opportunity for you. So the more I had to chew on it and really think about it, I'm 26 years old. An opportunity like this in my career at this point is unparalleled. Yeah. At the very end of the day, I get up on stage. I embarrass myself for 30 minutes in front of people I'm never going to see again. And I hear there's actually a lot of local establishments in Las Vegas that help remedy feelings of embarrassment. They they sell beverages for that. Yeah. So at the end of the day, if I embarrass myself, we run to the nearest bar. Tequila. Get all night Get long. tanked and... Uh, it's fine. But no, I mean, in all seriousness, the person who hosts the event has written two books on DevOps. I ordered both of them. I'm going to do my research. I'm going to potentially take a public speaking course. If if anything, I'll go on YouTube and read up and listen on ways to kind of quiet those nerves because yeah. I'm pretty good like on the podcast, speaking clearly, articulately, and my YouTube channel, things like, things like that. I have experience with that. And even in college, I was always the first one to lead presentations in front of the class. But this is a whole nother level of that. And at the end of the day, as long as I understand I'm passionate about what I'm presenting, then I'm fine. If if you give me a script five minutes before, before I have to take the stage, obviously I'm going to be fumbling over my words, super nervous, not knowing how it's going to go, freaking out. But it's in September, so I have nine months basically yeah, to that, prepare for this. Yeah, I think that's a good amount of time. I know I my first big public speaking thing was terrifying Mm -hmm. but i did put myself in a like situation where one before i signed up i didn't know i had to do it and then two i didn't have a way out because it was obligated of me Mm -hmm. it was for the uh supply chain management association where i had to get up in front of oh yeah like 250 (laughs) people with all the businesses yeah terrifying well i mean i get get nervous in front of it yeah and i get nervous in front of my office in front of 70 people if I have to talk on behalf of whatever it is, you know? Um, And so it's going to be a difficult process to prepare for this, but I think it's going to be very rewarding. Mm -hmm. And the skill sets that I'm going to prepare with or prepare for will translate into so many other aspects of my career. 
Yeah, I think reading the books would be huge. Yeah, well, I mean, and I could become, honestly, the SME of the office, a subject matter expert on this. And <laughs> Isn't SME like the sidekick of Hook in the Robin Williams Hook? It, SME! Well, in all Peter Pan movies, yeah. Oh, is SME? he? Yeah. SME's like the little henchman. Okay. But yeah, SME, we, use, we throw that term around in our organization because it's subject matter expert. Um, and with it being an emerging risk, then people could come to me if we ever audit in that space. So... Rusty Smee in <laughs> auditor, yeah. the Smee auditor. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. But other than that, outside of work, I didn't play a ton of games this week. I meant to, of course, finish um, Last Day of June, which I talked about last mm-hmm. episode. That really interesting indie game where you, as the husband, have lost your wife who was pregnant with your firstborn, your first child in a car accident, and you kind of do a Groundhog Day situation in, in terms of living out all of the witnesses' perspectives of the accident to try and change what happened. Yeah. Didn't end up finishing it because, surprisingly, there wasn't a day where I wanted to cry this week. So I did not play that. Good. What I did end up doing is downloading the DLC to Spider-Man, playing through all of that, which was phenomenal, and I got the Platinum Trophy in the base game. Awesome. So I, I actually looked, because I was thinking, like, how many more trophies do I have? And there was only like three that I needed. Which ones were they? One of them was, I guess, attaching, using the trip bombs or trip mines. Oh, yeah. That was like three or five enemies or something like that. Yeah. So I did that one. And then you one of them was performing four tricks in the air before you hit the ground, which was super easy. Oh, yeah. You kind of just have to flick, the, flick the analog yeah. stick around and do a couple tricks in the air. I can't remember what the other one was, but they were super simple stuff. You just Google the trip mine one? Yeah, I was like on YouTube. I was like, okay, go to a warehouse and just, you know, throw the trip mine uh, against a couple of dudes and then restart the warehouse and do that like three or four times and you get the trophy. It's super simple stuff. Yeah. The the DLC is fantastic. I would say that um, just the characters that you already love so much, particularly, of course, Peter, uh, MJ, and Miles, there's a lot more... There's a lot more of them and their interactions, okay. and also a lot of like the side um, villains. So you have Hammerhead, Felicia, who is the little silver cat lady. Okay. And then, who was the other villain in this? Because there's three episodes. Yeah. And so a lot of the story arcs kind of carry over from one DLC to the next, and it all kind of concludes in this bombastic. What's it? The crazy leader way. of that. Um... Like the military group. Sable. Yeah. Her. Yeah, she's in She's in the last episode as well. So how everything kind of comes together and concludes in the final episode is really, really awesome. I loved it. So and continuation of the base game. Yes. Yes. Story and I would mind. say, too, it sets, itself, it sets itself up well for the next Spider-Man game, even more so. Okay. The only thing that pissed me the hell off... Sable. No. Well, that was rough, too, fighting her. But there are these screwball challenges or something like that so i don't know if she was in the base game or not but she was kind of the instagram villain like person she was trying to get her her followers up to like five million or something like that yeah i think she was well she has these little challenges littered across the map that are infuriating i don't even want to go into describing them but they are just maddening like there were points where i literally almost chucked my controller at the wall it was so frustrating. That's what games are supposed to be. And in order to get all of the trophies for each of the different episodes, you have to 100% um, the map, which means you have to 
the the episodes are split up so like you have a third of New York for each episode. Okay. And so the different zones in New York, there are five more of those crime um little missions that you need to do so like you're flying around and you get report from the police that oh there's this burglary going on go break it up or whatever so you have to do all of those you have to do all the screwball challenges and then there are some side missions and then of course the main missions that you have to complete but 100%ing for the screwball challenges is just infuriating but other than that I cannot think of a game where I've had just more genuine fun than in Spider-Man flying around New York Solving or, you know, fighting the crime that inevitably breaks out. Just the main missions of the game are so fun. And just the characters are so brilliantly done. MJ specifically and her relationship with Peter is just amazing. Yeah. I love it so much. So played more of that, finished the DLC, probably shelving that game for the foreseeable future because there's literally nothing I can do at this point. I've gotten all the trophies. What I also played this week, Ryan, was the Kingdom Hearts 3. Yeah, it did. DLC, but not really. So oh. no one really knew what Remind was, what the DLC would entail. Historically speaking, when I get DLC, I expect it to be very clear cut and dry. Here's this additional side content in Horizon. It was this entire section of the map that you eventually got to go into, the Frozen Wilds, in Shadow of Mordor and Shadow of War. It was DLC you accessed in the main menu that had you go to either a completely different section of the map or playing as a different character. Skyrim, again, there were like three or four different DLCs that were completely separate from the base game. Complete additional content that you knew exactly how to access. Leave it to Kingdom Hearts to be as ambiguous as possible with how you access the DLC and what it actually entails. Did you have to Google it? Yeah. (laughs) I had to watch a freaking YouTube video just to figure out how to access this. Here's the password. So what it is, if you don't know already, Remind is actually endgame stuff. So it'll be stuff that takes place before the final boss and after the final boss. And so just for the sake of explaining this well, I actually pulled up a review by Destructoid. And I'm just going to kind of read through some of this. No spoilers here. This is just... For, for the sake of the listeners who love Kingdom Hearts, if you haven't already downloaded this, it's $30, by the way. Wow. I I can't say it's not worth it because before I get to this explanation, I figured, like Chronolink, Alec, he and I were talking back and forth on the Discord about this. We just restarted New Game Plus because it's been a year since I've played Kingdom yeah, Hearts gonna, 3. I was going to ask if you re, like started New Game because you were saying that it was before the final boss and you've obviously beaten the final boss. Yes. So... Let me just read this explanation before I go any further. Without spoiling too much, the bulk of Remind is a side quest involving Kyrie and Sora that mostly takes place in Scala Ad Kalum, that beautiful cityscape near the end of the main game. Hmm. After a bit of retreading, which basically has you replay most of the Keyblade graveyard segment, given that it was one of my favorite areas in the series, I'm happy to see it expanded upon, even if it's ever so brief. There's a ton of explosive triumphant moments here in the Remind narrative, which exceed the qualifier of fan service since they're actually since they actually make sense and tied up loose ends in a uh, reactionary sort of way. That's good. I have to warn you yet again, make sure you're already invested before you pick it up due to the retreading. After that, another chapter unlocks called Limit Cut, which can be which can be considered the meat of the DLC. That's your epilogue, a boss rush mode with a light story. It's where all the crazy fights of the DLC are at, 
a few of which can be considered some of the toughest in the entire series. Clearing those will net you an insane secret ending that a lot of people are going to be talking about in the coming weeks. I'm keeping it vague, but the focus is on gameplay and combat with Limit Cut, a nice flourish for Remind's story angle. So how do I feel about this? It's a little frustrating because I restarted the game, which I could still access the DLC with my main save if I wanted to and just go right into the DLC. Yeah. It's a little frustrating that this is, one, as confusing as it is to figure out how to access it, but that it's $30. I don't know if a Bosch Rush mode is worth half of the base game's cost. No. I spent 65 hours plus in Kingdom Hearts 3, the base game, and this Bosch Rush mode... Yeah, some of these uh, these bosses may be incredibly challenging, but I don't want a boss that takes three hours to be the meat of the DLC or to justify my purchase. Yeah, it's like thirty bucks for Seth Sethiroth. 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 Yeah, yeah. And and I was talking with Frantic Josh on Twitter about this, and he said it's 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 a shame for sure that it's as confusing and ridiculous as it is. However, removing the cost out of it, if some of the the touch or the cutscenes were apparently touched up a little bit. Okay. There's some additional menu features which I can speak about as well. I don't really mind that much, just because I get to. It's an excuse to go back and revisit this game in New Game Plus mode. Yeah. What happens in New Game Plus? You get to keep all of your keyblades. Okay. Um, and some of your materials, but okay. Other than that, you restart at level one. You have to play through the whole campaign again. Can you change your difficulty? Yeah, New Game Plus. So if you beat it on Standard Mode or Beginner or however you, you know, ended up finishing the game, when you restart New Game Plus, you can choose whether Beginner, Standard, Proud, or Critical. Okay. Now, I started on Proud difficulty, but then I looked and there's no trophy for it. No, it's not. There's so none. So I just don't... Again, we've talked about this plenty of times in the podcast. There's not, a whole, there's not a lot of incentive for me to play a game on increased difficulty if I'm not artificially rewarded with a trophy. Yeah. I know that sounds really kind of almost juvenile but i just don't really care i mean i can make you one just out of plastic what completed kingdom hearts 3 on proud difficulty oh like a little stamp like a little just trophy to... and have like a soccer player up top throw up on my fridge oh <laughs> no yeah i just don't really have a whole lot of desire to play a game on an increased difficulty if i'm not rewarded with a trophy or something like yeah, that. yeah no i get that I think I got two Pirates of the Caribbean. I'm proud. Okay. Yeah. And it's not too much more difficult, but like the base game, one, I played through it without any upgrades for the first like two worlds. Mm-hmm. And it, it still was kind of easy, but then the final boss was like ridiculous. So yeah, I wanted to see. But yeah, so revisiting Kingdom Hearts 3 so far has been an absolute treat. I, I, the opening to this game, and I really thought about this, and I think I could say this definitively now. I think it's better than the opening to Kingdom Hearts 1 in terms of the music and the cinematics that are, that follow are just amazing. Are you talking about the cutscene, like that visual of like the people playing chess? Or well, there's you... that, and then it cuts into kind of a montage of scenes with Riku, Kairi, Sora, Donald and Goofy over the course of all of the games. Yeah. It's just this crazy montage. And Ryan, the song that plays during that cutscene oh, so is freaking amazing let's hear it now oh, 
I could listen to that all day. Yeah, it, re- it really reminds me of Japan because I, I was obviously in Japan when... Uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 came out. Yeah, when Kingdom Hearts 3 came out. And that song, like that single CD, was everywhere. So we had in Shibuya Crossing, mm-hmm. there was an entire store blasting that song. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And you had like posters of the girl who sings that. Yeah, Hika- um, like, Utada Hikaru. Yeah, that was my second guess. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, no, that just brings me back to going through that store to get through that store to get to like a Starbucks up top to watch the cro- the square crossing. Yeah. That's I'm so jealous. I mean, I remember you coming back from Japan and brought me all of those Kingdom Hearts 3 goodies, mm-hmm. which I still have, which I'm very appreciative of, by the way. Yeah, you didn't give them to Alec? No, I kept those. Okay. I gave him the uh, <laughs> I gave him the little keychain that Lauren got me yeah. at the Square Enix Cafe. But yeah, it was so nice too is when I was replaying it and that cutscene came on, I could literally I, I could visualize in my brain being at my old apartment, sitting on that our couch, yeah. playing it for the first time. And Lauren actually snapped a photo of me because I've been waiting for this game for 15 years. But yeah, I mean, just listening to that song, I already can picture myself playing it for the first time, just as I can remember uh, playing Kingdom Hearts 1 for the first time. And that's why I love music so much, is because when you just hear certain songs in games, you can just remember the first time you played it. Where you were at, the the weather that day. Yeah, and then the smells, and then it brings you back like 15 years, and you're like, I was eating a pizza while I was killing Sephiroth or whomever the hell. Xemnas, Xiaophin, whatever the ZX <laughs> names are. In yeah. As many forms. Yeah. But a little short, bald guy. No, I actually, this week I was thinking about that because I smelled a smell. Short, bald men? <laughs> That's a nightly occurrence. <laughs> so, but yeah, I was walking into my apartment and I smelled a, like, I don't know if it was a lavender, but it was a specific, uh, like, a washing detergent. And it was actually something that, like, one of my first girlfriends used, like, f- maybe 15 years ago. That is a and weird I was thing, like, yeah. I'm like, God, my olfactory senses are just tingling right now. <laughs> well, because even when I went to Scott's house, like, his house had a smell. You smell like my grandma Scott. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like, and it was because of the deter- the detergent that they yeah. used in their, like, for their laundry. But yeah, his house had a certain smell, so it was almost like walking into it was like okay this is kind of like almost a safe haven for nintendo 64 beef ravioli because his <laughs> yeah. mom would make that yeah and cheese it's like that was what scott and i did we we went over to his house or i went over to his house after school his mom would make beefaroni chef boyardee okay we'd have some pepper jack cheese it's and we'd run down to the basement and play in 64 are those, those little stuffed like squares no they're those. like the little noodles Okay. And then there's like big beefaroni, so there's like giant noodles. I don't know if I had those. I always had the uh, the squares with like beef inside. Well, that's ravioli. Ravioli. Yeah. That's like an Italian dish, Ryan, if you didn't know. <laughs> I, you know, like those like square things or like noodles with beef inside. <laughs> you know yeah, the stringy things? called you ravioli. pasta? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I'm enjoying my revisit to Kingdom Hearts 3. It's a shame that it's going to take 50 hours to get to the DLC. Yeah. I don't know if I'm just going to reload my old save just so that I can experience it. Just go through it, it again. I yeah. mean, it doesn't take too long. I mean, you have Toy Story. Where are you? I just beat Olympus Coliseum. So I just made it to oh, Twilight dude. Town. I'm okay. just in the very beginning. But Lauren has an exam tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow? Today's Saturday. Yeah. Um, so she's going to be studying most of the weekend. 
So that way I can just put my head down, play Kingdom Hearts 3 while she is studying in the background. And watch The Witcher. And watch The Witcher. So Yeah, I mean, you got Toy Story, which is just a blast. Even second time through. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to play Toy Story. And also the music in um, the Tangled World. Mm-hmm. When you're running around the map. Oh, it's so good. I just like Tangled in general. And then um, Pirates of the Caribbean is coming up. And that one's just gorgeous. Monsters, Inc. Monsters, Inc. was fun. Big Hero 6. Big Hero 6, the final boss. Sucked. He sucked. Yeah. I don't know if I didn't grind enough or what, but that was rough. Yeah. Because you could heal, right? Uh, I don't remember. Cool. But. I'm glad you enjoyed the game. <laughs> <laughs> Paid attention. You know what happened in the story? <laughs> no. Don't have a clue. Yeah. Don't have a clue. Um, what did I play this week? I didn't really play much. I, I was pretty busy. I went to bed pretty early most of the nights, just trying to catch up on sleep. Um, played a bit of Pokemon, as usual. I As of today... You this, opened up a new can of Worms of Addiction, don't I Don't shut your face, man. <laughs> <laughs> shut it. Dude, you were talking about it before we no, started no, no, recording. No, 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 I'm on Pokemon. No. Not the crack game. You were playing the R word, Ryan. Don't speak its name. <laughs> <laughs> RuneScape. <laughs> <laughs> no um no seriously what's up with no, that hey I'm, I'm on my pokemon kick real quick i have to give an update okay. so oh, gosh i finally after months completed um all the mythics completing a full box for each i thought you did that a few months ago Mm-mm. okay i've been working on it slowly um I have, so there's 11 Mythics, and I have 30 of each, so a complete box, just so it looks nice. So I have 330 Mythic Pokemon, and then I have like a little box of extras, just Misfit Mythics. Misfit Pokemon. (laughs) (laughs) Missingo? Yeah, so that's a big achievement. And then I also completed... Is it though? What? Huh? (laughs) Yeah. Aw. Well, I'm not trying to shit on your dreams, right? Yeah, just shit on my dreams, man. Yeah. Um, dude, now I lost my train of thought. Oh, I completed last weekend the um, unknown. I got every unknown. That was unknown. pretty sweet. You sent me a picture of that. Yeah, so it's the entire alphabet, all 26 letters, and then two extra for an exclamation point and a question mark. Mm. So I was just missing the T, and I finally got it because that's one of the rare letters. And then what I have left, I still have one butterfly to complete the butterfly collection. Okay. Um, there's like a butterfly for all regions of the world, basically. Mm-hmm. And then like two event ones. Um, besides that, I picked up Sun again. Ew. And was trying to... Well, there's specific shiny Pokemon. Those are the ones that are illegal. Mm-hmm. That like you can get go to jail for five years, but you can only get them in Sun. You so, can go to jail for Pokemon collecting? In Japan, and then U.S. law enforcement doesn't care that much, but potentially if Game Freak finds out. I don't have any of those. There's like Keldeo Shiny, Hoopa Shiny, Victini Shiny, Meloetta Shiny. They're technically Shiny locked, Mm -hmm. but you can get them in Sun because they're programmed in. Okay. But... I need I need them for the Pokedex, so I did it for the Vine. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I'm working on that. I got a shiny um what's that moon 
I mean, you don't, you never complete the game. That there's Salga, Sal, Salgarera, Salgalelo. Gosh, what are you talking about right now? <laughs> the Sun Legendary Pokemon, that dog thing. Neil Armstrong. Him. Yeah. I got him. Shiny. So that's cool. Yeah, and then I was watching videos this week of like people doing different PvP challenges. It's these two YouTubers, and. They just like do borrows, which is like these tombs to mm-hmm. see the drops. And then after like three hours or 50 runs, they fight each other with whatever armor. So it's oh. like two friends. So I was just watching that. And I was like, fuck, this looks like a lot of fun. Sounds so like it. I, uh, <laughs> that was the most sarcastic. Yeah, dude, totally. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I logged in mistakenly to RuneScape last night. And took a picture of my awesome armor. What did you just accidentally click the application? I accidentally, yeah, clicked on the application, and then I signed in accidentally. I think I was just it. My pocket signed. <laughs> it was a butt dial in. Yeah, uh, accidentally got membership and accidentally played for like six hours. Wow. No, I'm just kidding. What a happy accident, Ryan. Yeah. So I got 26 magic. <laughs> kind of a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag number one. Yeah. Yeah, so I played a little bit of that. And then I watched two movies this week. Oh, hell yeah. What'd you watch? I watched the uh, Rambo Unborn, like the last one. <laughs> I don't think it's called Unborn. It's Last Blood. <laughs> last Blood. Rambo, the first unborn <laughs> child. <laughs> and then I watched um, Calvin and... What was it? Calvin and Hobbes? Whatever that Need for Speed one is. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Fast and Furious. It's the Sean Hobbs. Yeah, that one. I watched that one. Calvin and, uh, and Hobbs. <laughs> oh gosh, the Fast and the Furious like spinoff movie. Um, it was pretty. I Rambo was. I mean, actiony, but Rambo's face doesn't move. Like I don't know <laughs> if it's like all the steroids or if he just got plastic surgery. I think Sylvester Stallone has had quite like, a bit of plastic Botox yeah, or whatever. But like. It looks like he's a stroke victim and like only half of his mouth moves. Kind of like, um, I don't know what disease the mountain suffers from, but he actually has some muscle damage in his mouth. Oh, from Game of Thrones? What? From Game of Thrones, him. So I know he's working on that and it's it's almost better, but there's some some disease or something. I don't know if Stallone has it, but he talks like it. And it was almost painful like him trying to go through like emotions other than i'm gonna kill <laughs> when Be- his niece died or whatever spoiler alert yeah I-, I didn't think she was gonna die me either i was like god heroin isn't that bad for you <laughs> like what like a week binge and you're you you just all of a sudden die in a truck and then i was like okay and then he's sad and you're like i'm pretty sure that's his angry face too <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right, I'm not really feeling it. And he's like, oh, no. well, I can't even do it. Because I have emotion in my voice right yeah. now. It's like, <laughs> oh, no, this is bad. <laughs> Let's kill. <laughs> <laughs> like, I have to grab half my face to stop it from moving. <laughs> so, yeah, it was just confusing. And then it was, I went back. Because my favorite scene in the original Rambo First Blood, mm-hmm. po- like, unborn number two, yeah, was the scene at the very end where he, like, shoots up this p- 
police department and then he's inside against that one cop who's a complete asshole mm-hmm. and then he's talking to his colonel i'm pretty sure the person who trained him and he's talking about his friends who like the girl runs up to him with a matchbox and it had a bomb and he blew up as he was getting like drinks for them yeah and it's like he's trying to put his friend back together and he's like where am I or where's his legs where's his legs kind of thing and he's just crying and he goes through such a range of emotion I rewatch it I'm like god he had emotions at one point in his life that was and, like 30 years ago yeah but like your face doesn't cease to move suddenly like <laughs> you have to do shit to it dude he was in like seven Ram- uh, seven Rocky movies his face got beat in by Carl Weathers I guess was it um Dalf Lundgren Whatever the heck his name is, what? The uh, the Russian guy. Ah, uh, yeah, the guy who went to IT or um. Yes, he went MIT. to information technology. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was he was in a Rocky movie. Then he went into IT, uh, <laughs> specifically auditing, and he, he's looking at operations and uh, whatever the heck you're talking about in Las Vegas. Um, he wrote a book on it. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, if you like action, it's an hour and a half. It's oh, it's kind of short for Rambo. There's well, it's I would not, say like the last maybe thirty to forty five minutes is basically the uh, the adult version of Home Alone we never got. Yeah, essentially, he sets all kind of traps around his ranch, and all these people come and start blowing up. And yeah, I don't know if he died at the end, but I'm hopefully that series is done. No, I want Rambo Seven. Rocky retires. <laughs> Crossover edition. <laughs> he goes into heaven and then he has to like stop a demon raid. <laughs> um, so what was the movie you watched? Calvin and Hobbes. Oh, okay. That, that was so, good. That one was actually really good. Yeah. I how, mean, how was the Ryan Reynolds cameo? It was. I mean, he plays the same character as Deadpool. He's like that snarky kind of asshole. Mm-hmm. Um, he kind of plays that same character in that upcoming movie where he's a video game NPC. Oh, yeah. I feel like he's played the same essential role in the last few movies he's played. But he's only in there for like three scenes, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Entertaining, though? It's an entertaining movie. It's not like, oh, it's going to redefine cinema. It's action, but... Jason Statham's awesome. The Rock's awesome. It's over the top. I've never seen any Fast and the Furious, but I'm what sure. What is wrong with you? Why not? I don't know. They're some of the most campy, fun movies you'll ever watch. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it's in the same like ballpark as this one. Yeah. But I don't know. May I was deprived and beaten as a child. <laughs> but I'm well, just kidding. You need to see Paul Walker, man. The yeah. guy's a legend. No, I. Yeah. Rest in peace, Paul. Are they still going to continue without him? Because I know he they had his brother fill in Dude, for him in the last Dude, they've had three one. movies since he passed away. I'm not surprised. The trailer for Nine is about to drop. I'm surprised we're not at like 20. It's like Kids Bop. Like <laughs> 45. <laughs> um, yeah, it was a fun movie. You got to see The Rock. You got to see other Samoans. And then like beat people with ancestral tools. Uh, What? Yeah. You'll just watch the movie. Okay. That's a trailer right there. You want some beating with ancestral tools? Join the rock. Calvin and Hobbes. All right, I'll check it out. Yeah. Anyways, I also watched a movie this week. Cool. Peppermint with Jennifer Gardner, my celebrity crush. 
very entertaining. It was basically the female protagonist version of Taken, sort of, except yeah. instead of his her daughter being taken, she's brutally murdered with her husband. Yeah, in front of like a fair. Yeah, so Jennifer Gardner, her daughter, and her husband go to this carnival. Her husband works at like an auto shop, and his business partner was trying to get into some really shady stuff. And the husband was like, uh, I don't think we should do this. And so this like Mexican gang of dudes just do a flyby machine gun, pepper them with bullets, no pepper pun intended. Them. And uh, they both die. So Jennifer Gardner goes on a mission of Krav Maga and stealth killing. Yeah. And comes back and takes revenge. Yeah, it was a fun movie. Uh, I watched that on the plane to Japan. Mm. Yeah. Uh, real good. Fit 30,000 feet. Movie. Trapped in a box ready to do Krav Maga against my neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> well, I also was going to watch another movie this week. I was going through Netflix, and we'll get to this too because um, the Discord question this week specifically was tailored to the future of the show and what Ryan and I want to do. Okay. And one of the, the questions that I suggested was more segments between you and I. And that kind of resulted oh, in, in some dialogue. And so one of the segments we kind of originally oh, pitched was okay. Night Owl Media, which was you challenging me to watch a movie over a TV show, and we talk about it. <laughs> then you disregarded it and then started your own thing, and you stopped that one thing. That's right. So what I would How like to... How is Full Metal Alchemist going? I haven't watched it in months. <laughs> what I would like to consider doing, though, and Nolan suggested this, is maybe... One episode a month, we do a shorter episode where it's not really games we've been playing recently or listener um, mail or anything like that. We focus on one singular movie or TV show that okay. we kind of review and talk about on the show. Because that way, to Nolan's point, like if we get really busy, real life happens, it doesn't take a whole lot to sit down and watch a two-hour movie and then talk about it the next day. I think that would kind of alleviate some stress of preparing for the show like these these top 10 episodes and other episodes that we've done in the past yeah i think it's something that we should consider all of that to say i was going through netflix and kind of making a list of things that we could potentially watch i don't have that list here it's it's somewhere in one note can you remember any of them off the top of your head one of them was the king with robert pattinson the batman guy and timothy chalamet or whatever the heck his name is okay apparently it's a, a phenomenal film i had never heard of it but i love my medieval stuff so that was one potential idea. Um, let's see. Did I? Oh, here we go. I got a couple of, of uh, movies here, Ryan. All right. The King, Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile, which is actually a movie that Zach and Chronolink reviewed as part of the Tarkeron podcast. Zodiac, which I've heard is a really interesting film with Robert Downey Jr. Drive with... Zodiac, this off the Zodiac Killer? I don't know what it's about. I just know it's... Held in high regard. That one's a really good movie. Okay. Uh, Drive with Ryan Gosling. Okay. Seven Samurai is a classic film. Apparently, it inspired so many other movies after it. It came out in like the 40s. I have the Criterion Collection for that, so I want to watch that with you at some point. Okay. And Marriage Story. I know that's like going to be exhausting, but Adam Driver is my basically... Hey, guys. We just got yelled at watching a divorce for three hours. <laughs> <laughs> I'm... Glad we reviewed this one. So, welcome to the podcast, Otaku Brothers. <laughs> but yeah, so there's a ton of stuff on Netflix that I, whether it's an original or just a movie that they have on there, I'd love to kind of go through just a couple of different movies once a month. We can even let the listeners know what movie it is so that they can kind of share their thoughts as well. Okay. You yeah, know? and then you have to watch The Witcher. Yeah, yeah. And but anyways, all of that to say, 
This week, I was looking for things to watch on Netflix late at night, as I typically do after Lauren goes to bed, and I came across Six Underground or Underground Six, that movie with um, Ryan Reynolds that Michael Bay directed. Okay. Oh my gosh, was that exhausting. 15 minutes in, I feel like someone pumped me with seven shots of adrenaline. It was way too over the top for my liking. Definitely not a movie to watch before bed. Definitely had to table that and come back to it, but potentially never. What's the, is there a plot? Explosions. Explosions cool. everywhere. Yeah. Does it have a green car, it looks like? Yeah, so I stopped watching that, and I went back to one of the most wholesome, wholesome, entertaining shows potentially of all time for me personally, and that is Boy Meets World on Disney+. Nice. Plus. I got the urge to watch Avatar, The Last Airbender, this week. I was going to say, Avatar with the blue people, you watch that every freaking week. Whoa. Like once a month. It's so good. It's such good background noise. Okay. But Avatar The Last Airbender, is that what yeah. you settled on? What Something. I was listening to Reddit AMAs, and someone's like, com- so that's what I listened to, like a bunch of different topics, like, uh, what's the weirdest thing lawyers have heard? Lawyers have read it. And then it just goes through like stories. So mm-hmm. it's just interesting stories. And one of them was like, that's rough, buddy. As like a comment. And then they were like, are you referring to like Zuko telling uh, Katara's brother that in the episode from Last Airbender? And I was like, what the hell was that a line in the movie show? And it was basically Katara's brother was like, yeah, my first girlfriend turned into the moon. That's rough, buddy. <laughs> and I was like, that's amazing. I love that show. Yeah. So I might start that again. You should. It's fantastic. Fantastic. Let's see here. What else do we have to talk about, Ryan? It is sad that we've never gotten a Last Airbender game. A we good, have. A good RPG Last Airbender game. Okay. That's fair. I don't think we've gotten that before. No. We have some stuff to get to on the Discord, Ryan. Correct. So the first of which is the listener feedback, however you want to present that. We post a polling question on the Discord every single week, or at least I do, because I do everything around here, (laughs) trying to get more (laughs) listeners involved in the show, your feedback, all that fun stuff. You can also write into the podcast at otakubrotherspodcast at gmail.com. I think that's what the hell, what the hell is the name of that? I don't know, I've screwed up so many times. Otakubrotherspodcast at gmail.com. Write to us, we'd love to hear from you. But I put a polling question up every week, and this one specifically was tailored, again, to the future of the show. Mm-hmm. What we want more of, or what the listeners want more of, what they want less of. Answer number one, please quit. <laughs> <laughs> We're sick of hearing your voices on the internet. Well, that kind of was the overwhelming response here, because uh-huh. the different questions that I presented, or the um, the options that they could have selected. <laughs> we want more of everyone else except for you guys. <laughs> yeah. Guest co-hosts, yep. top 10 list episodes, dedicated host segments like Rusty's Retro Recommendation or Night Owl Media, retrospectives, nostalgia is the best medicine after all, shorter one-hour episodes about a specific topic, for example, a movie or a TV show as Ryan and I just talked about, or Ryan Unfiltered was the final response, and no one voted for that. Cool. So what people did vote Fuck for- Fuck you guys. <laughs> It's enough unfiltered. I can't do that anymore because it wasn't voted upon. Guest co-host was the overwhelming response with six votes. Yeah. We got one vote for top 10 list episodes, one for dedicated host segments, and one for retrospectives. And a few people commented to kind of back up their response. Logan said all of the above, but specifically guest co- guests on the show, which is something that I've been 
talking about probably since the inception of this show, we've only had Pete Dore, Laura, my wife, your sister, and Travis, I think are the only guests that we've had on the show. I have a lot of other people in mind. In the next few weeks, I want to start reaching out because I know not everyone is available on Saturday morning when Ryan and I typically record this show. Yeah. So if we do have to record on a Tuesday or Thursday night, whatever it is, Ryan and I will make it happen because I think it's going to be great to get more folks on the show to hear deferring perspectives on games. I'd love to kind of just have a list of questions ready for each guest that we have on the show. I think it'd be a lot of fun. So if you would like to be on the show, definitely reach out to us. Shoot me a message on the Discord or even the email, especially if there's a topic that you'd like to discuss with us. I don't want to have to steer the conversation or Ryan and I steer the conversation a certain direction if there is a topic that you want to talk about. Mm -hmm. So let us know. I will be reaching out to a few fine people here that listen to the show in the next few weeks to get you on the show. I think it'd be good times. Nolan, friend of the show, Young Nostalgia Podcast, he records that with his buddy Ben. Please check them out. Fantastic show. He says, quote, Ryan unfiltered, crying, laughing emoji. But I love it all. Episode length isn't too much of a problem for me because I love the show and will find somehow to work it in, even if it is in interrupted segments. Definitely some co-hosts, especially with all the cool ideas shared here on the Discord. It'll be cool to hear the voices behind the text and have them share opinions in more of an open way. It might be cool for you guys to do just one episode a month that is shorter and focuses on one review, whether it be a game, show, or movie. That way, it also makes it easy on you guys in case life gets hectic. It'll be an easy and short way to knock out to keep content going. Cheers. Thanks for the feedback, Nolan. I think that's exactly what Ryan and I are going to be doing moving yeah. forward. Comeback Kid, old school friend, YouTuber, back in the Pete for, uh, Pete, Pete's Game Room Forum days. He said, less Pokemans because it's all over my head. That's all right. It's pretty much done now that I completed all the mythics, so you're welcome. He also said, LOL. Now back to RuneScape. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. uh, so thank you, everyone, who wrote into the Discord. We appreciate it and voted because, again, your feedback means the world to Ryan and I. And honestly, um, we do this show for all of you. And if you don't want us to talk about a certain thing or you want us to talk more about something else, let us know. We want to know what you guys want us to focus on moving forward. But guest co-host will be a big one moving into this next year. Yeah. So stay tuned for that. Something else, Ryan, that we got involved in um, was the Gents Challenge. Yes. I think I've talked about this before and my historically failing at the challenge. What it is is Zach, who was, again, co-host on the Talk Around podcast with Chronolink, he created a Discord server specifically for all of the people that were in Pete's game room forum back in the day. Once that closed, um, he created this Discord and a lot of people kind of flocked over to that so that we can continue talking about video games, but also specifically hosting the Gents Challenge, which is basically challenging us with our backlogs, the games that are sitting on the shelves, gathering dust that we haven't played, have no intention of playing in the near future, but want to at some point. Yeah. And so what he challenged us with the rules in this are different than what they have been in the past. So he said 15 games, no more, no less. And the typically or what we've done in the past is you're, you're paired up with one other person. That person picks two games from your list, and then you pick two games on the other person's list. Yeah. How they're doing it this time, I'm kind of scratching my head and not really sure how it's going to work. He's going to post polling questions, if you will, with that person's games, and everyone's going to vote on which games they should play. And whichever two get the most votes, 
those are the two that you're going to be tasked with playing over the course of the next two months. The, the, the contest ends at the end of March. Okay. So plenty of time to finish your games. Ryan, I selected 15, and you can share your 15 as well. Okay. The 15 games I selected are Journey, Vampire or Vampire, yeah. Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning, which looks like a great cross between Skyrim and Fable. It's kind of an open-world action RPG. Okay. Grant Kirkhope actually composed the soundtrack to this oh, game. Oh, nice. The Last Guardian, Shenmue 1 on the PS4, the remastered version, Alpha Protocol on the PS3, Super Mario Odyssey, of course, I need to play that wonderful 3D platformer, Castlevania Lords of Shadow, Castle of Illusion Mickey Mouse on the computer, Sonic Adventure DX on the computer, uh, playing through Steam, of course, Mm. Alice Madness Returns on the PS3, Golden Sun on the Game Boy Advance, which was, of course, gifted to me by Chronolink, Alec, through the Secret Santa exchange that we did a couple weeks ago. Check it out. There is a link in the Discord. Banjo-Kazooie, Grunty's Revenge, which was a Game Boy Advance game, little isometric platformer um, that came out years and years ago after Banjo-Tooie came out. Yeah. Rayman 2, The Great Escape, a terrific 3D platformer on the N64, and Toy Story 2 on the N64, which also you spoke about pretty highly. Yeah, it's awesome. So that's my list. I wanted to get a nice mix of old and new, which I think I found. And again, a lot of these games... I would say about 50% of them at least um, are ones that I've been meaning to get to and wanting to play for years and just never got around to. Nice. Or at least never finished some of these. So, Ryan, why don't you share with the listeners your list of 15 games? Yeah, my first one is Shadow of Mordor. Hell yes. Game of the Year edition. What's up? Um, You've been talking very highly of it, and I've never played it past just getting slaughtered. So, yeah. And then the two Assassin's Creed games, Origin and Odyssey. You gave me Origins. When the you Egyptian, did one. yeah, one set in Egypt. And then Odyssey is the Roman one. Both new RPGs, a lot different than the original, but could be a good good time. Uh, Mega Man 11, which was part of the gift exchange. That's right. Uh, probably going to play on a lower difficulty than yes, when I get destroyed. Yes, you should definitely do that. Um, Medieval, also part of that gift exchange. Wolfenstein 1. Oh, heck I yes. I started that, and then I basically shit myself when a dog came around the corner. Yeah, it's Because I had it pretty very intense. loud, and it was late at night, and it was terrifying. Um, Dishonored 1 or 2. Heck yes. Going through some of your games. Ratchet and Clank, also. Never played those. Oh, so good. The Witcher 3. That's a heck of a commitment for a two-month time period. Wow, dude. You'd have to commit your life to that. You'd have to stop playing Pokemon. I probably would, actually. Yeah. yeah. So You start getting the sweats at night because you're not getting uh, those mystics. Toss a coin to your witcher. Valley of plenty. <laughs> What's the next one, Ryan? <laughs> Spyro the Dragon. I got the uh, the three-game edition, so Collection, the first yeah. one. GTA Five, which would be another heck of a commitment. Sekiro. Gross. Because I hate myself. Um... I'd restart the game, one, because I have no idea how to play mm-hmm. f- from my previous save, and then two, I need to get back into it. Uh, Yoshi's Crafted World. Beautiful. Never beat that one. Um, Untold Legends. I got that for PSP. I played it way back in the day, but... Brotherhood of the Blade. It's so good. So it's another top-down like Diablo-ass game. And then uh, Ukulele and the Impossible Lair. What is up? Yes! So I played a few levels on that, and then... I got distracted. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 
I think it's a solid list. Nice varied list of, again, old and new new games. Some are lengthy, some are shorter. And that's kind of what I went with as well because you are going to get paired with two games, so... Well, it's two. The you play one of two, right? You can complete one, of or two. you can get supreme gent status by beating both of them, Ryan. Oh shit! Yeah. All right. So hopefully, it's, it's going to be like The Witcher Three and Sekiro. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, here's a two-hour, like two-hundred-hour game plus Sekiro, where you want to jump off a cliff. Yeah, I'm not really sure what I want picked most. Kingdoms of Amalur: Reckoning is a big one for me, just because I never really played it, and it was kind of the it was highly regarded by so many so many back in the day. It was kind of almost a cult classic. It came out. It was kind of overshadowed by the, the likes of Dragon Age, Inquisition, and Mass Effect 3, and Elder Scrolls, Skyrim, yeah. of course. That's a big one. Golden Sun, just because yeah, it's just a classic RPG on the Game Boy Advance that so many people love and regard that I just never played. So those are probably the two biggest ones. And then, of course, Super Mario Odyssey is just a delightful little platformer that I want to get to eventually. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not sure either. Probably, I mean, if I'm being honest, The Witcher 3. Just because you're watching the show? That, and it forced me to play it. Mm-hmm. And I know the second I get into it, I'll love the heck out of it. That's why I love this challenge, because there are games like that that I've put on my list in the past, where it's like, you do want to play it, but there's no one, you're not committing to anything. No one's looking over your shoulder to say, hey, Rusty, you need to play this. Yeah, but it's like, hey, I failed at playing Snake 1, or like... Oh, Metal Gear Metal Solid, Gear yeah, Solid 1. Yeah. Um... And then, then pr- probably Sekiro, it would force me to play that one. Because I know, I mean, it's a ton of fun. And it's so well done. But, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, so I'm sure Ryan and I will be reporting back probably next week. Because the contest ends, or submitting your list ends, I think, Sunday or Monday. So, we should be able to figure out what our games are by next Saturday. So, we can kind of talk about that. And hopefully, any progress made, depending on what games we ended up you know, committing to. Yeah. So, should be good times. Stay tuned for more. Before we get into the topic of the show, Ryan, I actually have two quick fun stories for you. Yeah, I have one less fun story. Oh, you do? Yeah. So, in the not break we just took, I uh, I read some article. Apparently, one doctor has died in Wuhan because of the coronavirus. A doctor's died? Yeah. So that's Treating patients that yeah. are... Yeah. And it's transferred through, like, coughing, so respiratory. So, like, it, you spray it at someone, essentially. You're like the... Those velociraptors in Jurassic Park, one that, like, sprayed the fat man. Mm, yeah. Um, 40 people have died and 1,200 are infected. So. Wow. Those are some things. Why well, just drink a monster it, and I feel like I'm infected? Yeah, so. and it causes pneumonia. Okay. So that's probably how they die. So, like, for AIDS, you don't necessarily die from your immune system dying. You die because... You have a low immune system and you get something else that kills you. Yeah. This is it. You get pneumonia and die. And I didn't realize how bad pneumonia can get, but apparently it kills people. Yes. It's a very scary sickness. Yeah. I had it quite a bit when I was actually younger. Did you? Yeah. My parents had me tested for cystic fibrosis, fibrosis, oh. which is kind of like a, a death sentence for someone as young as I would have been. Shit. Uh, I had pneumonia, I think three Christmases in a row. How was that? It sucked because yeah. my parents had to bring me my gifts and I was... A helpless little, however, 40-pound kid at the time. What are the main symptoms for pneumonia? I don't really know. I just remember being exhausted. Just being sick? Yeah. Okay. Like a really bad cold, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what are your happy, fun stories besides... Well, because we talked about earlier, and I wanted to... I appreciate the follow-up discussion, yes, right? you're yeah. welcome. So one of them actually isn't as happy. It's kind of freaky. So yesterday, 
Lauren went to kickboxing class, as she usually does on Friday nights, mm-hmm. and we went over to our local establishment where they have cheap beverages yeah. and great food. Well, I hopped in the shower around 5.30 to get ready and go over there, and minute into my shower, lathering my body in body lotion, if you want to just oh, yes. picture that right now. And then I hear Scooby yelping and crying so loud, unlike I've ever heard him before, as if someone was stabbing him to death. And I poke my head out the shower curtain, like, what? what is going on? And his feet, are, or his legs, are wrapped in yarn. So Lauren crochets, yeah, and she has this giant bag of, like, rolls of yarn in her, in our closet. Well, he grabbed one of those, it, like, the, the bulk of it was still in the closet, so it was just unraveling as he kept running around. He ran around the bed frame, or at least the, the, the front of it, yeah. the, the two boards, ran around it twice, jumped off the bed, caught his le- his back legs in it, mm-hmm. so it was just squeezing his legs, and it was also caught on the bed frame, so he couldn't move, yeah. so he felt like someone was basically just grabbing his legs and holding on for dear life, and he couldn't escape it. So I was like, holy shit. I was like, body lotion, naked ass and all. Jump out of the shower, water's everywhere. I'm holding Scooby for dear life because he's freaking the hell out trying to escape. And I had to undo this crazy yarn that had attached to his legs because his dumb ass was running around the bed frame with it, (laughs) tangling himself. Scooby's fine, but he did cower. Like the rest of the shower, of course, I hopped back in the shower. He just sat pressed against the shower. and just like was like shaking, and so I got out and dropped myself off. Was just sitting there, just holding him, because he was just terrified. Terrified. Yeah, yarn's a scary thing. <laughs> <laughs> yarn, hell of a drug. That's exactly what I was gonna say. Scooby can attest, but he's fine. He's fine now. I just pulled my my mic out. Didn't mean to do that. Anyways, the second story. We were at this this bar. My dad was there as well. And Lauren and I were talking, I told you this already, but I think it's kind of funny. Whenever we go there, Lauren drinks Pinnacle Whipped Vodka with Diet Coke. <laughs> yeah. And it's her favorite drink there, so that's what she always gets. And so she says, I really need to get whipped at home. And my dad and I looked up like, what? <laughs> <laughs> my dad was like, I don't think I should be here for this conversation. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking, uh, that's not typically what we do, Lauren, but we can make it happen. And she's like, no, like pinnacle whipped vodka and i'm like yeah you should have definitely clarified yeah, that, that that's before. something you don't leave out yeah the rest of the sentence for. <laughs> <laughs> i should really get whipped at home okay let's calm down here for a second anyways ryan main topic of the show we got to get to it yeah top 10 games of the decade the listeners have probably been anxiously anticipating us talking about this hearing about our favorite games over the course of the past 10 years crazy to think that we're already into a new decade yeah that's yeah. Wow. I'm going to be old. 1990 was 30 years ago, Ryan. Don't No. Don't don't say that. Crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. 2 years will be 30? Really? Yeah. Well, two and a half. Uh, two and a half. Whoa. Well, so, this decade I'm going to become old. <laughs> yeah, 30s old. But I mean, if Henry Cavill can look like a god just that I want at 36 naked in my apartment. Yeah. I can do that too. Yes, so you can, Ryan. Give me time and a lot of money and six months off from work. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> I'll give your boss a call. Yeah, okay. So what what I did for this, I actually have a couple honorable mentions because it's so challenging to come up a list, come up of, with a list of 10 games, considering I probably beat 
100, 200 games over the past 10 years. I have no idea how many games I've beaten. But beat like 50 last year, so it's a lot. Yeah. I would say that there probably are not too many surprises on this list, but there are also some games I've played recently that didn't make it here just because a lot of these I played so many years ago, and it, nostalgia does play a role in these decisions, even mm-hmm. though I say nostalgia even though I, it's just the past 10 years. I, I still yeah. feel like I can get nostalgic about some of these games because of when I played them and the memories tied to it. Ryan, do you have any honorable mentions? Yeah, I have five. Okay, you do have five. Well, I have five as well. I'll kind of go down the list here real quick. And this is in order. Um, one, of course, being the best here for honorable mentions. Five is Hitman Blood Money. Okay. Never, Never got one. into the Hitman series, but my buddy Nick and I got Blood Money on the Xbox 360. My goodness, was this game incredible. The player choice and freedom it offers for you to go into kind of this sandbox environment, you're tasked with, as the name would imply, killing one particular person but how you get there and how you do it is in, is just amazing. So in one instance, you have to break into this holiday party and this giant or this um this hotel room that's 30 40 floors up. So you get in and you can once you kill someone, you can take what they're wearing. So if you have okay. um a bartender that's wearing a vest and tie like real life. or whatever <laughs> he might go back into the the kitchen you can kill him take his clothes throw him in the freezer and then pretend that you're the bartender well what i ended up doing is well you can actually go up to the bar and poison the drinks so that when they bring the drinks to him he just dies in the hot tub around a bunch of females yeah, kind of like the emperor in uh, skyrim yeah, yeah yeah or what you can do is go down these stairs in the basement peep around outside there's like a little balcony and the hot tub that he's in 30 floors up is actually uh glass yeah and there's nothing beneath it so you can shoot out the hot tub and he just falls to his death that's cool. so just the player choice was amazing and just nick and i similar to what you and i were doing with uh, jedi fallen order kind of passing the controller with each death that's what we were doing so really great times again i don't want to go too into this game uh, number four for me super mario galaxy one of the best 3D platformers of the Wii 360, PS3 generation, incredible soundtrack. Just one of the greatest 3D platformers Nintendo's put out. I hope we get an HD remake of the Galaxy games. Number three, Rainbow Six Vegas 2. One of my favorite, if probably is my favorite tactical third-person shooter. Very big fan of the Tom Clancy games, and Rainbow Six Vegas 2 was incredible. It took everything one did and expounded upon it in so many great ways terrorist hunt missions with friends was just so addicting and fun i probably put a thousand hours into that game playing with nick number two wolfenstein new order never a big fan of the wolfenstein games but i've talked so highly ranted and raved about the new wolfenstein new order and um new colossus games on the current generation of consoles and number one for me was a game that i came back and played after a summer break in college i think it was either 2011 or 12 probably 12 because i think the game came out in 2011 I don't have the greatest track record with finishing Zelda games, but The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword was one I never put down. I mean, I must have beat the game within maybe a week, couple of days. Wow. One of the most memorable experiences I have on the Wii specifically, and just an incredible Zelda game. I know it got almost tens across the board from major publications, but I know the fans weren't really big on this one because Skyloft was kind of boring. Is that the one where you have to rescue a cat? I don't think so. 
Do you get like a bird friend you fly around on? Yeah, yeah, you get okay. a bird friend. Um, memorable characters, some of the most memorable, memorable, crazy bosses in all of Zelda games, at least that I've played. And again, the soundtrack to this is just terrific. Nice. Very big fan of Skyward Sword. Hopefully, that would get ported or remade for Switch. Probably going to be tough with the motion plus controls that they they had for the Wii, but I'd love to play that game again on Switch. Cool. My honorable mentions for games of the decade. Ryan. Uh, mine are not in order. Um, Croc 2. Croc 2. That game came out in like... I didn't mention it last time, so it's on my list. <laughs> okay, that it came, came out, out like in 2019. It's... <laughs> remastered i don't know um whatever you say ryan stunt rally was also another one that was <laughs> it should have been on last time's list but i forgot um halo 3 mm-hmm. that game was amazing i remember people staying home from school yeah school middle was that middle school timing no it came out like a uh, freshman year school. of high school for us yeah that game was huge yeah it was so fun, and I mean, we still have to finish the last two levels of Halo five, 4, four. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one was another one that so many good memories going through on Legendary with friends. Yeah, I think this was the reason I bought an Xbox 360 back today. Yeah. I mean, I bought my 360, I got Halo 3, created my Fear the Steel 43 gamer tag. What a great experience that game was. No, it was, it was a ton of fun. Um, Force Awakens... Um, I loved those games. I played the first one. I don't know if I played the second one. Correction, The Force Unleashed. For- Force Awakens was a Star Wars movie that came out in 2015, directed by J.J. Abrams. God, I'm a fool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe, Force Unleashed. Maybe you did need that monster to wake you up a little no, bit. No, I did this list like a month and a half ago when we were supposed to originally do it, and then you delayed it. Hey, calm down now. Yeah. Throwing you under a bus. How does that feel? Pretty good. Um... Yeah, Force Unleashed, those games were a ton of fun. Um, I mean, before this last uh, Jedi game that we just played, that was your game of the year last year. Yes, it was. Um, that was the best Star Wars game in recent history. Oh, Force Unleashed? Yeah. It made you feel like you could really hone the powers of the Jedi and the Sith. Yeah, really unleash, unleash the Force. Yes. Um, you were Darth Vader's apprentice, apprentice Galen Merrick. What a name. And yeah, and it was played by the same guy who was in um, The Mist. He was one of the army guys. Oh. Yeah. And he does a lot of voice acting and stuff now. Um, he's got a chiseled jaw of a god. Does he? Yeah, he does. Is his name Henry Cable? No, he's he's second to Henry Cavill. Okay. No, I think he also, I mean, he looks like a hitman, really. But... He formed the Rebellion. Like, the history of how the Rebellion got started was Galen Merrick. Oh, okay. And his family crest is the Rebellion symbol. Wow, I did not know that. Yeah. So, throwing some Star Wars lore at you. Ton of fun. It was the introduction of that black lightsaber. Ooh, yes. The dark saber. Yeah. And then the last one was Resistance 3. Excellent. We never got to that one. No. We played a little bit of 2. We never played 2. We did. I don't re- like. I legit don't remember any of us playing two. I remember us playing through one. We and- s- we skipped it. Well, we we played a little bit of one. Then you're kind of like, screw this. Two's where it's at. Let's just move on. But I don't remember us playing it. We started it. Maybe two was the one where we fell through the roof, and it glitched out on us. No, that was one. Maybe, but I do know with absolute certainty that we played Resistance Two together. Yeah, we started at like level one, but we never. Yeah, because we got shot out of the roof in two or one, 
Who I, am I? <laughs> dude, I every time I think back cuz I've it's kept me up at night trying to remember us playing through number 2 cuz I'm like Rusty said we played through this. And that would be a lot of commitment us like hanging out outside of this podcast and sitting down and playing that game. We did at your old apartment. We don't have to have dead air time here in the podcast thinking about this. <laughs> You ever I, see that uh, that meme video of the cat who gets like a blowny or like a flower thrown in his head and his face like tucks in and he like sees the universe? No, must have missed that one, Ryan. <laughs> okay, that sounded crazy. Well, that's how I feel. Okay. Um, yeah, Resistance 3, great game. Um, similar to your uh, game with all these unique guns um, by Rare. Why can I not think of that game? What game? The one with the meat people. Perfect Dark. Yeah, Perfect Dark. The Meat Sims. Meat Sims. Uh, it just so many unique guns. It was a unique concept, kind of similar to um, how the people came out of the ground in Gears of War. Mm-hmm. It was it was like an invasion, and then the world was taken over, and you kind of have to fight your way through. So it was a, it was an interesting game. Lots of fun nights playing through good stuff yeah i mean insomniac is a excellent developer and they actually are responsible for my number 10 game oh really on my list so if you are done talking about resistance 3 i want to rush you we can get into the top 10 games let's do it all right ryan so my number 10 game if you don't mind me beginning this list came out in 2018 on the playstation 4 again developed by insomniac spider-man Oh. I didn't add this game to my list until last night. It didn't... Originally, uh, Skyward Sword was in the 10th place, but my goodness, I cannot say enough good things about Spider-Man. It's it's the perfect Spider-Man game. I, I thought Spider-Man 2 could never be replaced because of the nostalgic feelings I had tied with that game back when the movie came out with Tobey Maguire and just how it allowed you to actually feel like you were Spider-Man flying around New York and... Insomniac did that in so, so much more with the ability to fly around in, as Spider-Man in New York with all the different suits, collecting all the different things around the city, all the different um, cutscenes with MJ, just the character building in that sense was yeah. incredibly well done. Miles, all the stuff with him and his dad, I just thought it was just the perfect Spider-Man game for me. And I actually cared about the story and its characters beyond just the gameplay itself. And anytime a game can do that, as you'll see with many of the games on this list, when Rusty begins paying attention to story, it's a pretty big deal. And in Spider-Man, I honestly just wanted to watch a movie with those characters, the voice actors themselves, and how they portrayed and cared about the characters that they were embodying. Yeah, it's on my list as well. It's not number 10, but uh, it was such a solid... I mean, the controls were extremely solid. You felt the second you picked up the controller like you were Mm -hmm. Spider-Man. The city was very active. It felt alive, which is good for immersion. A lot of collectibles. And the collectibles, they came onto the map as you passed missions, Mm -hmm. which wasn't overwhelming, which was really nice. It had a good amount of difficulty to it. Yeah, overall, it... It was definitely an upgrade to Spider-Man 2. Oh, yeah. And it gave you the nostalgia and that nice new polish. That and unlocking all the different suits. Like, there was always 
a reason to keep playing that kept you so immersed in the experience, both from a story perspective and all the side content that you were able to do? And to your point, it never felt overwhelming. It always felt like it was well-paced. Things were unlocked periodically throughout the game as you progressed, which just, again, added to that sense of immersion. And to your point about the city feeling so alive, I didn't really notice this until I got playing the DLC. But like when I'd go and like land on the top of a building and I'd look up in the sky, you would see planes flying around, you know, just kind of casually flying throughout the sky. Yeah. And then when you were near the waterfronts, you saw boats, sailboats, speeder boats, like giant transport boats. Like there was so much variety and uniqueness to the world that's so easily overlooked if you're not paying attention to it. Yeah, I mean, there was a trophy even for going up to people walking around the city and giving them like, hey, what's up, bro? Yeah, just giving them high thing. fives. And, and the fact that they recognize like, oh, hey, it's Spider-Man. You know, and some of them hated you and called you out and called you names or whatever. Yeah, like the news guy is right. You're an asshole. Yeah. Like, oh, that's, that's sad. <laughs> but then Peter's quick quips back at them. Yeah. Like he was so, like how they were able to program the game so that Peter had dialogue ready to respond to people. And even like during missions when something would go south or... When you're getting on a train and you're just sitting there like reading the newspaper or like it's just a picture of your face on it as you're like reading an article. And people are looking around at you like... The is that, is that the real Spider-Man? Like, what's what's going on here? Yeah, yeah. Just the sense of self-awareness with with Spider-Man, just the game, the developers. It was all so brilliantly done, and it, it could so easily be higher up on my list. But it was tough to knock any of these other games lower than where they're currently at. So yeah, that one's my number nine. So the next one I'll talk about. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. So my number ten is a game that I started up before this podcast. It is RuneScape. Yikes. So this game came out i think 2001 way back in the day and i've played it on and off over the last however many years like Mm -hmm. 20 years almost which is insane to think about i've put more than uh 3500 hours into it which is like four times the amount of time i've played pokemon ruby version if that's saying anything it's just such a good classic game Mm-hmm. Um, it still has, going back to like the old school days, that aesthetic of just an old RPG. Mm-hmm. It's not the new kind of stylized like WoW type of game. And it's not, let's go hyper-realistic kind of. It's a looter. You're just fighting a bunch of monsters, getting drops. There's a ton of skills that you can do. It's just a ton of fun and it, it doesn't get old. Yeah, I would like to play RuneScape just to experience it, you know, and I'll hopefully play with you and maybe Ben, even Lauren at this point with all of our computers, just because it's one of those bucket list games that you have to play, you know, kind of like Super Mario 64 or Tetris. It's just one of those things for me. I think I just need to try it once. Yeah. Like heroin. Yeah. (laughs) That one you tried twice (laughs) just to make sure the first time was good. Um yeah, we can start a new character and we can go through like, hey, you want to go punch some cows or like punch, like the start out of the game, you go through Tutorial Island, which is such an iconic um, adventure. I've seen people do speed runs of it in like a minute or two. It's like walking out of the, the sewers in Oblivion. Yeah, or like sitting on the uh, that horse-drawn carriage in Skyrim. It's that kind of like iconic beginning. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, it would be a lot of fun to play. And I remember, like, I have so many good memories from middle school and high school just playing through it with friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just screwing around with people online. Like, Lauren 
sold steak and beer at the, this grand exchange. And like people, like she would just give them out for free. She's like giving people lobster dinners, nice. giving out beer. And then I went around in chocolate armor with like a squad killing people. So yeah, it's a ton of fun. I've put way too many hours into it, um, but it's just such a nostalgic game for me. Awesome. Yeah, I'd love to play it sometime. That all on RuneScape, Ryan? Yes. My number nine is a game that was on my top ten games of last year. Okay. And it dethroned Resident Evil 4 as my favorite Resident Evil game, and honestly, my favorite horror game. That is none other than Resident Evil 7 on the PS4, came out in 2017. Wow. No other game has really no other experience in an entertainment medium, be it TV, film, or video games, to make me feel utterly terrified to move forward or experience more of this game. But at the same time, never once, even more that, more so than Haunting of Hill House, have I felt more compelled to keep going. Just because, again, coming back to story, you wanted to figure out what the hell was going on with this family. Yeah, It was utterly bizarre. You felt like something was awry. Something just wasn't right. And how the story unfolds, go back and listen to that episode. I'm not going to go into all the details here. And honestly... I regret going into as much detail as I did because I felt I feel like this game needs to be experienced raw and fresh. Like going in, having no idea or concept of what's going on. Your wife's been missing for two years. You finally find out she's still alive, cooped up in this nasty old house in Louisiana. Why is she there? How the hell did she get there? And why is she utterly psycho? Yeah. All of that you find out over the course of this eight to twelve hour game, depending on how much you explore this this crazy house. And I will say that it goes in directions you would never experience, never predict, never think that they would have gone that that way. Um, but what Capcom did with this that I felt was so special is that they actually listened to the masses. Mm-hmm. Resident Evil 6 was taken with, was so poorly received because it was honestly just crap compared to what we had with, with 4. And honestly, 5 got a lot of crap too, but I actually think that's a really fun co-op game and even played solo was actually a pretty decent um action zombie shooter and they're remaking three right yeah they're remaking three as well okay. um but yeah one two and three and i would even go as far as saying four really retained its horror roots being genuinely creepy and terrifying where five and six kind of got away from that yeah. it was kind of gross and grotesque where seven again some of the scariest stuff you'll ever experience in the video game movie or, or, or you know, film and tv medium so, so well done, and just, I can't speak highly enough of it. I love it. I, I would love to go back to it almost every one to two years just because, I don't know, I just feel like I'm still going to be scared shitless every time I play this game. Yeah, it looked like a terrifying game. Well, that I mean, that's what I was asking you about. I think we went through, yeah, the entire plot, because mm-hmm. I just want to know what happened. Well, I would love next Halloween to play with you, like I'm watching you play through the game, because I know where all the jump scares are. Yeah. When the dad's going to come back when you thought he was dead and chase you around the house again. Like, those moments are just embedded in my brain, completely unforgettable. I mean, I literally had Scooby under my arm playing with the controller because I, like, I needed to hold on to something. I needed, some, needed to be loved. I needed something tangibly alive to, like, know that, like, this wasn't real. You yeah. know, like, I needed to make sure that I could escape this crazy experience and Scooby was my partner in crime throughout the entirety of that game. Yeah, we'll have to do that. We could even play through one of the, I guess, the newer ones. Well, we could play through five on co-op, 
or yeah. even six would be a lot of fun. That could be fun. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a huge horror game person, so that could be terrifying. Getting out of the comfort zone. 2020 is that year, Ryan. That it is. That it is. Well, we already talked about my number nine. In Spider-Man? Spider-Man. So, okay. What is your number eight? My number eight is a little game called Ukulele. Oh. Previously. The original or the. Yeah, second? so not the Impossible Layer, just the 3D platformer, the original kickstarted game that everyone expected that it was going to be the next Banjo Kazooie. I understand for most people it was not that, and many people just despise this game, think it's utterly crap. Wow. I don't think that. I had so much fun playing through this game and getting the Platinum Trophy. Even though some of those trophies were a grind and honestly made me want to throw my controller at the screen a couple of times, I just felt like it was such a delightful 3D platformer, such a great throwback um, to the games like Banjo-Kazooie, Donkey Kong 64, Super Mario 64, just those collect-a-thon 3D platformers that, to this point in 2017 when it came out, were so few and far between. I just felt like we've really gotten away from the classic collect-a-thon type 3D platformers, and I felt like Ukulele did such an admirable job, given the small team, given the smaller budget, given that it had to live in its you know bigger brother, Banjo-Kazooie Shadow. Yeah. It was never going to be that game, and I never went into the game anticipating that it was going to dethrone my love for the likes of Banjo-Kazooie or Donkey Kong 64. So you do like it better than those original games no absolutely not okay but i think when i went into it and i played it i didn't have the lens on that this needs to be the next banjo kazooie i just wanted a great 3d platformer that was a throwback to days of old yeah back in the day on the n64 and i think it's everything it's all of that and so much more if you look at it through that lens terrific soundtrack of course composed by the great grant kirkhope i think he does a great job um Throwing some nostalgic tunes that are oddly similar to Banjo Kazooie, but also breathing so much new life into the music that it makes its it makes itself um, very fresh and original. So, do you like the music of one or two better? Oh, the um, see, that's tough because I feel like Ukulele soundtrack embodies a lot more Banjo Kazooie and Donkey Kong sixty four, whereas the Impossible Layer embodies a lot more. Um, Donkey Kong Country and the games um, on the Super Nintendo. Okay. So it's really dependent on which of those soundtracks you like more. So which one do you like more? I probably like the Banjo-Kazooie Donkey Kong 64 type sounds more in Ukulele than Impossible Lair just because I spent more time with those games as a kid than I ever did the Donkey Kong Country games. Okay. So nice. you can get Ukulele for stupid cheap now on the on the PS4 and Xbox One and now you can get it on the Switch. And I just feel like if you want a game similar to what you played growing up in your Banjo-Kazooie's, give it a shot. Just don't play it through the lens that it needs to dethrone or replace those games. Yeah, I think it complements them very well. Yeah, I remember you loving this when you played through it originally. Mm-hmm. So, didn't you get it on... Did you get a PS4 or did you get it on the portable? I got, I got the PS4 version. That's what I got the Platinum Trophy on. And then I also limited run games. Um, yeah, that's what it was. Well, it was made for Switch, apart from Limited Run, but Limited Run did a pressing of the game where it comes in an N64 box. You get a replica N64 cartridge that has the ukulele sticker on it, and then a couple of other little goodies as well. Okay. Wasn't there one other game that you ordered at the same time from Limited Run? I ordered um, Golf Story from them, Ukulele and Impossible Layer, 
And then I ordered a ukulele t-shirt from them. And most recently, I got the Jack and Daxter soundtrack on vinyl. Okay. But. Yeah. I must be remembering something else. Maybe I got another game from them. I can't recall. I feel like that's all. It's like a weird cooking one. A weird cooking game from Limited Run Games? Uh, I want to say it was from like for your uh, Vita. It was like a Vita game. Oh, um, that was maybe Reverie? Or no, Sir Eats a Lot. Yeah. That, I ordered that from PlayAsia. Okay. So Same thing. <laughs> no, PlayAsia is completely different than Limited Run. Ryan, what's your number seven game? Okay. Uh, my or, number num- seven. Or is it number eight? Number eight. Yes. Is Horizon Zero Dawn. Beautiful. You played through this finally this year. I did. Um, it is just an amazing game. You have Aloy who you really don't know her past. She just kind of gets lifted up Simba style on a cliff to get her name. And you're wondering why she's with this, like, Balkan dude and these, like, town elders are saying, hey, you shouldn't be here. We can't give you a name. And you're trying to figure out where she belongs in society, her figuring out herself and kind of why the world has gone to shit. And it's just a bunch of tribes fighting robot dinosaurs. Mm Mm-hmm. Which in itself is an awesome premise. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you get a bow, which is awesome. There's a lot of stealth mechanics. There's just a bunch of different ways to play this game. And it, you can hunt and upgrade your packs fit similar to like Far Cry games. Mm-hmm. Lots to do, lots of lore to figure out. And the story overall is just amazing. Yeah, it, no, I agree completely. Like the way that you explore everything and you're slowly fed information and then you get plot twists and then it sets up very well for a second one which i believe they should be starting to work on yeah gorilla should be making that right now my guess is we'll probably see something at e3t's for the next one what i love about horizon i don't care how big your open world is whether it's in skyrim breath of the wild far cry or horizon if it's not a world worth exploring there's fun unique secrets hidden and embedded in the world caves to go through and get lost in i don't really care because it doesn't really matter how big it is as long as it's fun and worth exploring and alive similar to spider-man as long as it's a living breathing world then it's it's pretty good it's it's compelling and it's worth exploring and horizon is all of that and so much more i love horizon it's not on this list but it, it so easily could be again coming back to story as i will with all of these games probably um I really cared about the story. And to your point, figuring out how the world crumbled and how Aloy, Aloy plays such a significant role in it is just beautifully done over the course of the 30 to 50 hours it takes you to end up beating the, the game. Yeah. I And it's it's kind of, it has some RPG elements to it, upgrading your bows, upgrading your armor, decking out your armor with mods and things. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a really well done, solid gameplay. And then... Um, the DLC adds a lot too. The yeah, I I probably put 50, 60 hours. I can't remember how many hours I pumped into this before I got to the DLC, but I was kind of burnt out. So yeah. I wanted to go kind of wait. Similar to Spider-Man, I didn't want to go right into the DLC after I finished the game because I'd spent so much time in that yeah. world. So hopefully, maybe in the summertime or even next Christmas, jumping back in and going into the Frozen Wilds DLC. Yeah, it's a good time. It's the first game, and I believe the only game I've ever platinumed. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yes. So that's a huge accomplishment. It definitely says something for where it stands. Good stuff, so, man. Yeah. Well, now we're getting into my seventh game, Ryan, 
which is a little game called Uncharted 4 A Thief's End. Oh, nice. On the PS4, came out in 2016. Hard to believe this came out four years ago. And it still plays amazingly, and it still looks amazing. It does. Graphically, very impressive. Story trumps all the three previous Uncharted games. I cannot speak highly enough about this game. We've talked about Uncharted 4 at least half a dozen times on this podcast. I feel like from a story perspective, it concludes Nathan Drake's journey and all the supporting cast in such a incredible way and yeah. such a satisfying way that I don't need more, but damn, do I want more well, Uncharted. I didn't even expect Uncharted 4 after number 3. Yeah, that's true. Because um, I think they wrapped up everything with like the relationships between Nathan and Blonde Chick. Yeah. I can't remember her name. It's been a while. And then... Elena. What? Elena. Elena. Yeah. And, um, yeah, this was just icing on the cake. Mm -hmm. And, like, the start of this game is amazing. Oh, yeah. Um, Getting to play... Was it... Not Banjo-Kazooie. It was uh, Crash Bandicoot. Crash Bandicoot. That was so sweet. Because I had never played that before. I'm like, holy crap, I suck. Mm -hmm. Like, these are so hard. And... Then getting to meet his brother and then going through everything and how beautiful the like Caribbean style. One of the best parts of that game is when you get to Madagascar and you just get to that crazy large open environment with the Jeep. Yeah. And you get to just drive around with Nathan Drake solely and his brother. Yeah, no, I was actually earlier this week looking at potentially going back and playing through it again. I know. Well, especially now because this month, actually download it if you haven't already, even if you already have a physical copy, the Nathan Drake Collection Mm -hmm. is the PlayStation Plus free game. And earlier in the week before the Kingdom Hearts DLC came out, I wanted to just pick up and start playing Uncharted 1 again. Because it's a series of games that they're just so fun to play. I mean, it's like re-watching the Indiana Jones films. It's so easy to do. It's always an entertaining revisit. And I feel like the Uncharted games will always be that for me as well. Yeah, I need to make note to uh, download that. I'll just I'll, I'll let you know after the podcast, buddy. Don't freak okay, out. Okay, I was going to send myself a text. Yeah, I'll let you know. Cool. I'll remind yeah, you. Yeah, because you, t- you texted that, I think it was the 1st or the 2nd of January. Mm-hmm. And I looked on it, and that still was in December. And I'm like, I can't download this. I need those three games. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I would love to go through those again. Yeah, such great games. And then the epilogue in Uncharted 4 was just the icing on the cake of an already incredible Holy game. Holy crap, yeah. But to your point, in the beginning of the game, when you're in the attic and Elena's like, hey, you know, come down for dinner... And then you just go through this awesome little childlike experience as a grown-ass man with like a little Nerf gun, and you're like shooting around, this epic music's playing in the background, and then you're just like, okay, whatever, and then you just go down and eat dinner. <laughs> yeah. But just and the you ex- go through all the treasures from all of the other games. But yeah, just the experience, you can spend as much time as you want just walking around the attic and reminiscing about all the artifacts that you've collected over the course of these past three games. Yeah. It was just such a unique little callback, and Naughty Dog, my goodness, they're the best developer in video games right now, in my opinion. I just think they, everything they pump out, for me, is gold. Last yeah. of Us, Jack and Daxter, Crash Bandicoot. Um, everything story-wise Uncharted. they do is so well done. The story in Crash Bandicoot specifically was just so compelling. <laughs> Honestly, could have won an Oscar for its storytelling. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. <laughs> but yeah, no, I agree. The storytelling in those games are really un- unpar- or unrivaled, I should say. Yeah. It's so good. definitely on my list, too, but just a little bit higher. Awesome, man. Well, that's yeah. my number seven. I, I, I could go on for days about Uncharted, but I'm sure the listeners don't want to hear that. So what is your number seven? My number seven is God of War 4, a game that you have not played. That is true. 
Um, we played the first like six or seven hours together. I think on like a Friday. I took a half day mm-hmm. to play through this one, and it is so different than the form of the first three games that were more button mashy, top down. It, this one's behind the shoulder, um, a more personal feel. And it's a compelling story of a journey of Kratos, a father, and his son. Mm-hmm. Um, the original was of Kratos' father and Kratos, the son. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of the continuation of that kind of burden that he's had over the first three games and all the loss and death of his family and understanding where he is and then going into this one and not making that same mistake with his boy. Yeah. yeah. Boy. Boy. So it's it's a journey with your son going up the mountain to, I guess, spread your mom's ashes mm-hmm. as she had just passed away. And there's a lot of things that happen along the way, but getting to explore Norse mythology um, after Greek mythology has just been killed off mm-hmm. and seeing kratos in this entirely new environment completely different gameplay it's solid for everything it does and it's just it's just an amazing game you bring that up i have no idea why i didn't include it on my gents challenge list i'll probably have to take off one of the games that i have listed and throw a god of war in there. yeah i would definitely repost that one because mm-hmm. my guess is that'll absolutely be the game that's voted on because oh, i'll vote for that one yeah oh for sure yeah because you need a push to play through that. Yeah. And after Kingdom Hearts, I'm sure, of how light that game is, mm-hmm. I mean, no one d- like really dies and gets Shit gets real murdered. in the Frozen world, man. <laughs> yeah. Olaf loses his Elsa body. Elsa just loses an arm, freezes on a meta- like a ice arm, and impales Olaf and his band of mercenary snowmen. That's right. That's the sequel. <laughs> 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 I might have miss- got seen that one, but... Have you seen the second Frozen? I haven't. I need to. Want to. I heard it was pretty good. Yeah. Right. But yeah, you should definitely play through that one. I will definitely add it to the list. I did it. it was that Game of the Year? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For, for the Game Awards, certainly. And then Game Informer, I'm sure. IGN. I'm sure pretty much all across the interwebs, it was Game of the Year. Yeah. I'm re- And it sets up really well for a second one. Okay. And I'm really excited for that. If not a trilogy. Ooh. Good stuff. Yeah. I'm looking forward to playing it for sure. Ryan, my number six is a game that you love and is potentially your number one. RuneScape. Well, no. (laughs) (laughs) Came out in 2015. Just kidding. Not five. Bloodborne. Yes. Yes. This was the first From Software game that I I would say really sunk my teeth in, really gripped me, and sold me on this new Soulsborne-type experience that has been um, imitated across across the video game scene in many games. Yep. But I felt I feel like Bloodborne, if you're going to start with a Soulsborne game, this is a great place to start because I don't want to say they streamline the the mechanics, but I feel like it's so polished in such a way that it's easier to go back and play a game like Dark Souls because you can forgive kind of the archaic stiff playstyle of mm-hmm. of the fighting and the 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 fat rolling and um parrying and all that kind of stuff but i feel like bloodborne when you and i played it you know we talk about these experiences where we're constantly lighting each other's phones up texting back and forth about getting to a new area a new boss defeating a certain boss and this game was at the time 
unrivaled in terms of you and I going back and forth talking about yeah. it, you know, because we hadn't played the likes of Nino Kuni 2 yet or even Dark Souls 3 at that point. And I just remember I was studying for my CPA exam at the time and you were going through this game because I suggested that you play it. And I had a copy of Bloodborne next to my computer to motivate me to pass these exams so that I could kind of jump on that bandwagon and play alongside you. But when I did, you go into this gothic, um, Lovecraftian world that is so dark and gross, but you still just want to keep playing that much more to explore this crazy-ass world. Yeah. And the bosses that you interact with, the crazy different monsters that you have to battle against that... Are disgusting. Yeah, gross. I mean, the nasty spider thing that comes out of the moon with all the nasty other little baby spiders surrounding it when you... Rom, the evacuous spider. Yeah, and there's so much lore behind these different monsters that is so easily missed if you don't do a little bit more digging because there's not a whole lot of storytelling necessarily in this game. Yeah, and I mean, it's such a unique... I mean, FromSoft has such a unique way of telling stories Mm -hmm. and it makes me so happy that Elden Ring is coming out in June. So we have a couple more months until that comes out. Yeah. But this one's just... Basically, there's a blood healing church that set out a disease... So that they can have people use their like ancient god blood that they found in a crypt to heal it. And then it ended up going awry and turning everyone into monsters. Mm-hmm. And it's just such a disgusting game. Yeah. And it's so quick paced and you look awesome decking out your hunter. Mm-hmm. It It is a great... That's where I started as well. And it allows you so easily to go back into... Like Dark Souls 3, where you can hide behind a shield. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I love everything about this game. It's definitely higher up on my list than it is yours. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's probably the pinnacle of RPGs. Uh, and I think it's my favorite FromSoft game so far. Yeah, it'd be a toss-up for me between Souls 3 and Bloodborne. But while, while Souls 3 is a little bit more colorful... Um, I think in terms of just the sheer satisfaction of overcoming and, and, and triumphing over the triumph of the, the hardest bosses in Bloodborne yeah. is that much better than... Um, it, it probably surpasses my love of Dark Souls 3, I would say. Yeah, I was debating putting on my list. I, I know that I've beaten this game a few times, but I was debating putting on my um, Gents Challenge beating this game in six hours sub. Because my current record is sub seven, okay. But going through the game over and over until I get sub six, because that's eventually what I want to try to do. Nice. Because I've seen people beat it in like twenty five minutes. But they're glitching stuff out, right? I yeah. Mean, yeah. No, I don't think so, actually. So. Oh well. Yeah. I mean, they get to Gascoigne in like two minutes. Interesting. It yeah. took me a while. I never want to do that with my life, but. Yeah. So it, I mean. It's just a great game and definitely worth playing. It is frustrating for the first couple times, but the great thing about the FromSoft games is pushing through and finally killing that boss that's tripping you up. Mm-hmm. Like Martyr Ligarius on, oh on New, game, New Plus. game Plus. My word. I've never been more happy in my life defeating him for the second time yeah. on New Game Plus. So I would definitely say anyone who hasn't played it, play it. Um, I'm going to be playing that game over and over until the second one comes out, if it does. Yeah, I would 
I really hope they're making a Bloodborne 2 after Elden Ring. I mean, Miyazaki's definitely got his, his work cut out for him because of Elden Ring, I'm sure, is a significant undertaking. But yes, Bloodborne 2, please. And for those that have not played Bloodborne or any of the Souls games, Bloodborne is a great place to start. Yeah. So, Ryan, I think you're number six now. Yes, my number six is Breath of the Wild. Another Wonderful. game you haven't played. That's, you should also put on your list. Uh, that's a little bit too much. I don't know if I want to commit It's like a to, Witcher 3 commitment? Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. I I played this game a few months after it came out. It looked amazing. I've never... I mean, I played through Ocarina of Time on the 3DS. Which you hated. Which I didn't thoroughly enjoy. Okay. Um, but I... I've, Felt like this or this Breath of the Wild would be a good step in the right direction. It looked amazing. It was really confusing back at I don't know was it E three where you see Link with this like techno arrow shooting at this robot thing, and you're like, is this really what Zelda is? I thought it was about like a bulky man named Ganondorf trying to take over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and then getting into it, it turned out to be very similar to an unforgiving like Dark Souls. Mm-hmm. You go into this world, you start out with a stick and like a little face, like tablet, like an Apple tablet. And it's like, okay, here, do whatever, potentially beat the game in 60 to 100 hours. And it doesn't tell you anything. And I love how unforgiving it can be. I didn't think I would like the mechanic of your weapons destroying themselves after yeah. you hit people with Breaking. but. It allows for a lot of grind, a lot of upgrading. There's so many different unique armors and ways to upgrade those armors. And it allows you to farm out materials and like dragon scales or dragon horns that are like constantly flying around the map. Mm-hmm. And like the first time you run into a giant dragon that's flying around the map, you're like, holy crap, do I have to fight that thing? Yeah. Um, and there's like 120 different shrines, like little puzzles that you could dissolve. And it, Never feels, I, I don't know, overbearing because you can do as many or as few as you want. And if you really want, you can go straight to Ganondorf. It's ill-advised <laughs> yeah. unless you're really good. And I've seen people do it, but it's, yeah, it's speed runs of that game are hilarious. I bet. Yeah. Like people jump on, they like freeze frame trees that they've cut down as they're falling, hit the trees, jump on the trees and fly using trees. It's like in Dragon Ball, General, I forget the general, he basically like picks up a log and throws it and then hops on it and just rides it into the sun. <laughs> what? In Dra- yeah, the original Dragon Ball. Um, yeah, it, it's just, it's a ton of fun. Eventually you'll play it. Yeah, I put about five to eight hours into it when I had originally borrowed it from you. <sighs> That's one of those games that you, I think you came off another RPG. Or was I, that, I, I I may have. I can't really recall. It just was so overwhelming. I mean, it, it's more overwhelming than a game like Oblivion when you come out of the sewers, although it does open in a similar regard where you come out of this cave-like place and then you're looking off of this cliffside and it pans out. It says Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild and you just see this gargantuan world that you can explore. Yeah, it's up to you to figure out what you want to do. Like my tactic was like, hmm, I've never really played a Zelda game. There's these like pig monster things flying me. I probably need some weapons. Let's find some weapons. So I find a bigger stick and then I run up. I'm like, oh, there's a bunch of towers in the distance. I wonder what that does. And then I ran up. 
lit the tower and it opened the map, I was like, oh shit, now I can see parts of the map. Yeah. And I'm like, let's unlock the entire map. So I'm like, me running around for like 20 hours unlocking the map, slowly like befriending rocks and like really tan women that are scantily dressed. Nice. I'm like, this is a good game. Like, I like this. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm sure it's not for everyone. I think you should definitely play it before the second one comes out. Yeah. So, I mean, not that it's really heavily lore-based, mm-hmm. but it's it'd be good to play it. Yeah, no, I trust me. I really want to. I mean, I, I have a lot of Zelda games that I, I absolutely adore, including um, Link's Awakening, Ocarina of Time, Skyward Sword, uh, Link Between Worlds. I'm, I'm a big Legend of Zelda fan, but this is just a, a lot to get into. Yeah. It's a big commitment. So eventually I will play it. I don't know if I'll play it in 2020 or not because I feel like I already have a big bucket list of games that I want to get to, including God of War um, and everything else that's coming out this year too on top of well, luckily, my backlog. Uh, Cyberpunk and Final Fantasy were delayed. That's true. Final Fantasy VII didn't get that significant of a delay, but Cyberpunk... It was April. Now it's competing with Animal Crossing. Mm-hmm. Well, it's competing with Animal Crossing anyways, because both come out in March. But Animal Crossing comes out at the tail end of March now. What always okay. was going to, but... Um, Dude, we have like two months until Animal Crossing comes out. I'm so excited. I am going to be playing that all year. Oh, I yeah. might not be ready for Cyberpunk <laughs> in September. <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. Well, Ryan, I don't know about you, but I think I needed seven days to consider my top five list. Yeah, we were uh, ill-prepared and family stuff and all that jazz, so we are back. Um, I don't remember what we said. We said stuff. Yeah, two hours of stuff, actually. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, last weekend, I just was not feeling recording for like three and a half hours, as you were not also. And we also had four emails to get through on top of finishing our top five list, God, and thanks a lot for contributing, guys. It's such a burden. <laughs> so we had to take a week break. <laughs> That's right. We're so inconsiderate of all of our fine people that listen to this yeah. show. But uh, we're back now. And yeah. we're going to drive this episode to completion, talking about our top five games of the decade, reading the listener emails, and also we are going to be doing a new segment thanks to the feedback we got from the listeners on the Discord, link in the show notes. Ryan and I will be talking about that at the tail end of the show. Stay tuned for that. Yeah. The future of the show might not be happening. I'm <laughs> for kidding. another week <laughs> that we take off. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, Ryan, I think you just talked about Breath of the Wild, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, I think I did. So, I think I should start talking about Do my it. number five game of the last 10 years. And let me just minimize this window a little bit so it's not so open. My number five, Ryan, is a little game called Middle Earth Shadow of War. Oh, wow. The second one. The second one. Yes. This thing took, this game took everything that was so fantastic about the Nemesis system in Shadow of Mordor and just expounded upon it so significantly. Not only just the Nemesis system, but just the, the, the map size was so large. I mean, it spanned all of Middle Earth at this point. You got to visit so many different cities. The story itself was actually really interesting. I pulled up the Wikipedia page just so I don't butcher it because you know my track record with remembering stories. Don't spoil it. Remembering too. stories. No, this is kind of like the opening. If you read the back of the box, oh, okay. this is kind of like how this sets the tone for the, the 80 hours that you could potentially play in this game. So, Shadow of War continues the narrative from Shadow of Mordor, following Talion, who is still infused with the spirit of the elf, elf lord Celebrimor. Talion and Celebrimor travel to Mount Doom where they forge a new ring of power free of Sauron's corruption. However, 
Once the ring is complete, Celebrimoire is abducted and held hostage by Shelob, who asks Talion to hand over the ring in exchange for Celebrimoire. Talion reluctantly agrees and gives the ring to Shelob, who claims they have a common enemy in Sauron. She uses the ring to see into the future and directs Talion to the last Gondorian stronghold in Mordor, Minas Ethel, which is under siege by Sauron's forces due to the city's possession of a valuable, valuable Palantir. The Palantir would allow whoever possesses it to see anything they wish, making it a valuable tool for Celebrimoire and a dangerous weapon for Sauron. Makes you want to play that game. <laughs> it's so good. There's so much Tolkien lore infused into that game, and it's done so incredibly well that it, it almost felt like Christopher Tolkien ha- was involved with the creation of this game. I watched many, many interviews about the development, and they brought on a lot of Tolkien scholars to make that's sure... That's crazy that that's a thing. Yeah. What you major in? Tolkien, Tolkien. lore. Yeah. <laughs> well, there is so much out there. Stuff yeah. that was never even published. Just letters. Just, yeah. Hundreds you know, of letters. Yeah. So they all of that, not all of it, but so much of it makes its way into this game, and it's everything I could have wanted out of a Lord of the Rings game. Of course, you're not playing as Aragorn, but the character looks a lot like him, and in his fighting style, I would say mirrors a lot of Aragorn, Aragorn's movesets that you would see in the movies or play as in the Two Towers or the um, Return of the King game. But what really sells this game for me, you know, I always imagined playing a game growing up that there was just these large-scale battles where you had this gargantuan open environment, and you're just either infiltrating this giant fortress or defending one where you have waves of enemies coming at you. And I got that in um, Battle of Middle-Earth, but that was more of an RTS game, and you would kind of expect that from a real-time strategy. Which was also a great game. And it was on my top 10 of the growing up decade or whatever, the childhood, whatever we titled that series of... (laughs) Jesus. Yeah. You're speaking this morning (laughs) after... No, no. Fuck you. So anyways... (laughs) Yeah, so sentences are hard. Yeah, well, we haven't talked in a week, and I'm tired and stuff. But anyways, um, the fortress battles in this game, it 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 pitted you like you had two legions of forces coming against one another, and especially when you were infiltrating the fortress, it was so awesome because before you actually started it, you got to pick the different um, like captains that you were gonna have fighting alongside you, so different trolls and orcs and things like that. Oh, nice. And then. After you kind of take the different waypoints in the fortress, then you have to go fight the the, the captain that owns the fortress. And yeah. those battles were so challenging, and there were moments where you were just getting ready to die, and it had like this slow motion animation where the person was getting ready to just slice you or cut off your head or whatever. But then, because of the nemesis system, if you had someone that you had recruited, the last second, and it was you didn't know if it was going to happen. It was a flip of a coin chance. Last second, someone's like, I've got you. And he comes in and kills the guy and keeps you alive so you can continue fighting. Awesome. The Nemesis system is just such an interesting thing in video games. It's it's really interesting how it's not been replicated. Anywhere else. Yeah. Because I think it's such a there's such a great opportunity there for other franchises, whether it be Pokemon or Gosh, anything really to Animal take, Crossing. To take advantage of this. Tom Nook's rival. Yeah. <laughs> he just like spears him. My shop's gonna be better than yours. <laughs> yeah. But no video game has, has taken advantage of that yet. So no. I'm hoping in the future we get that. I'm also hoping in the future that we get another shadow a of whatever game. I would say it ends rather conclusively, but you could always go back in time or just extend Talion's journey. I think you could possibly do that based on this game's ending. So you're saying this is significantly better than the first one? 
Because it, it builds story-wise on the first one, correct? It does. I would say gameplay-wise, there's not a whole lot that changes. I mean, it's still, you have that Arkham Asylum battle system. Okay. The mechanics of that are very similar. And I would say just traversing the world is very Assassin's Creed-like in terms of running up and scaling buildings. But it's a lot faster because you have the wraith-like abilities of Celebrimoire. Yeah. I would say the, the biggest added bonus of this is, again, that the Nemesis system is ex- expanded upon significantly, and then um, just the fortress battles was just such a significant undertaking for them from a development perspective. Yeah. And just the scale of the map is that much grander because you get to visit all of these different areas of the map, Minas Tirith, Minas Ethel, as I previously said, and so many other areas as well. And Shelob is a babe. Yeah. Because I she mean, has I've a, never been so attracted to a spider. Well, she has a human form. I mean... Besides Quaylag, because, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, is this a, could you play this as a standalone game, or is it recommended for, say, because I haven't played either, for me to go back and play the first one? Will I get more out of the second one? I'm a diehard fan of the first game. Okay. I will go to the grave saying that game is just fantastic. I played the broken mess, glitchy, just atrocity of a game on the xbox 360 it was riddled with bugs still beat it the nemesis system was completely broken and then i again beat it on the ps4 the game of the year edition that you let me borrow so graciously ryan yeah you're welcome but i would say yes i I think you should definitely play the first game first just because you wouldn't really understand or have a clear picture of talion's motivations for why he's fighting okay and i think you you need to get that from the base game the first one before yeah. jumping into the second. Okay. However, one of the most underwhelming boss battles that I've played in such a long time in Shadow of Mordor. What? One of the most underwhelming final boss battles. Oh, yeah. really? It's very underwhelming. Very easy, just kind of like a, a joke, honestly. Okay. So That's surprising. It is. and it, Yeah, it was very disappointing, but I would say that Shadow of War makes up for that. Good. So Good. They've learned. They have. How was the uh, flying on dragons? Was that fun? Because you can fly on dragons in the second one. Could you? Yeah. I guess you could. Bricks it's been like two years since I've played You've this game. You've it like twice. No, I only beat Shadow of War once. I spent 80 hours with it and I haven't gone back to it since. Okay. That's including DLC as well. But I, I imagine it was pretty great because you could take control of them. Um, <laughs> it could be good. Yeah. You could kind of warp to them using your wraith-like abilities. But yeah, it's been so long. I don't... Really remember it okay cool well my number five is a little bit different we've talked about it already so it's uncharted 4 oh um we've talked this game to death over many episodes but i just recently downloaded the full collection of the first three mm-hmm. the one on the psn store for this month yeah or i guess last month wow it's already february i know january was like blinked and it was over yeah well so definitely worth playing through the first three I'm probably, after this gentleman's challenge, going to be going back through and playing the first three to get to the fourth one again. The fourth one improves so much on graphics, just conclusively uh, finishes the story, but also opens up to many more chapters. Um, I don't really have much more to say than what we talked about last week. We've talked about Uncharted 4 quite a bit in this podcast. It's It's the best. I mean, it's number five, So, and you're seven or something like that um yeah my number seven yeah so definitely go play that one if you haven't and then play the other three before 
if you haven't. And I can't recall if we mentioned this on the beginning of the episode. It doesn't matter now because you can't download it. But it was uh, the Nathan Drake collection, which of course includes the first three games, was free on PlayStation Plus last month. Yeah. So even if you didn't download it then, it's like $20. It's The series is phenomenal. And if you've not played... Um, if you've not played the Uncharted games, you you owe it to yourself to do that. And that d- you definitely need to play them in order so that you understand the story. Oh, yeah. Just the characters' journeys. Yeah. Absolutely. The characters grow so much over all of them, and it wouldn't make sense for the crescendo at the end of four if you haven't played the first three. So go ahead and play that. It's a beautiful game. Like, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, and you get the final fight was awesome. Yes. Speaking of uh, final fights not sucking. Yeah, no, it was really, really good. So, yeah, go play it. Awesome. Well, my number four is actually a game called Telltale's The Walking Dead. Nice. I talked at length about it in the Games of the Year episode, so I'm not going to go on and on. If you've not played this game, I highly recommend you do it because now you can just binge all the different seasons. You don't have to wait for the next one to come out. It was really exciting for me, though, because last year when I was playing the final season... I was playing them as they released, so I downloaded the whole season, or at least pre-ordered it, and so as each episode came out, I had to deal with the cliffhanger ending of each episode and wait for the next, just as you do like TV seasons. What really sucked, though, is that when Telltale Games went under and Skybound Skybound Games picked the series up, I wasn't really sure if they were actually going to finish the series because they had to bring on a handful of the original people who created the game to actually bring it to conclusion. And I will say it has a very satisfying arc for Clementine, just seeing her as this innocent little girl in the beginning of the the, the game when Lee kind of just brought her up and showed her how to deal with the travesty of the world that they were now living in and seeing her become an adult and then deal or have to raise AJ, this young little innocent boy who was born into this world. Just the journey that they embark on, on the, in the final season is just, again, such a satisfying conclusion. And just the, the player choice, you know, being able to literally at the click of a button, deal with a person's, um, or, or choose whether or not a person was going to live or die. Yeah. Just the the pressure you're under because you literally have seconds. There's a timer that is going. Otherwise, they're going to make a decision for you, whether it's a dialogue choice or whether it's literally someone living or dying. Um, just that pressure and anxiety you get playing the game um, is, is terrifying and stressful, but also satisfying. I love anxiety to be the descriptor of my gameplay. <laughs> Yes, you know, but it's you're you're watching almost like a, a TV episode unfold, but you're in the director's chair. Yeah, and I think to have that that choice with a game that is so emotionally powerful and moving is just really something special. So, had to be on my list. Honestly, it was a toss up between what was going to go in the three spot. Okay, but I couldn't not put what ended up being in the three spot to get there because I would say that. If I was on a desert island, the classic question, like, what three games would you choose? Um, barring the childhood games, like that isn't even in the the realm of possibility here. I would say that what ended up making it into my number three spot is one of the two and one were the three games I want to play like the rest of my life. Do we want to go into the three games after we get through our top ten real quick? Like what three games we would bring to a desert island? Well, I think those three are them. Oh, well, I mean, again, barring the childhood games, like if I could only choose like three games from the past decade, yeah, these three would probably be them. Oh, wow, the entire series, basically. Um, well, I haven't spoken about those three games yet is what I'm getting oh, at Oh, your top three. Yeah, so when we get to those three All games, right. they are the games that I would... I guess I'm not caffeinated Bring to a desert island. Saying. Calm down, Ryan. 
Ryan, why don't you enlighten the listeners with your number three game then? Or four. How about my number four game? All right, let's get so, there. So uh, I've talked about this game maybe once in my entire time podcasting here. Oh, boy. And it's uh, Pokemon Omega Ruby version. <laughs> Yikes. And, and I'm going to keep it short for everyone who's been bitching at me. Um, it's just an amazing game. It was my favorite game on the Game Boy Advance mm-hmm. when it originally came out. It was something about Groudon being like a dinosaur and just being red and black and awesome and terrifying. I still like Kyogre better. Well, you're still kind of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) So, Kyogre is better in competitions and he looks awesome, but I don't know. I related to his dragon form. (laughs) I was a huge fan of dinosaurs when I was growing up and this guy kind of reminisced of... A lava T-Rex. Nice. So it's been in my wet dreams. <laughs> so, yeah, I. it's just a lot of fun. And then Ben and Rick back in college, my roommates, mm-hmm. kind of got me into the whole collecting and training up. Rick, more so the competitive on this game. And then Ben with collecting shit. And then it kind of got out of hand. And now I'm in the impossible mission of collecting the shiny Pokedex like a fool. And I am amiss to say that this week, <sighs> I maxed Ryan. out the timer on my Omega Ruby version at 99959. And it's it's good now that it doesn't traction <laughs> everything. But yeah, I've put a lot of time and effort and my soul into this game. <laughs> my <laughs> blood, sweat, and tears. Yeah, it's going to be like, how harsh should I make this? I started at the bottom. Now I'm going to Disney World to celebrate my Super yeah, Bowl victory. When I complete the Pokedex, I'm going to just stand up and cheer. I'm going to Disney World. Just It's like completing the Super Bowl. Completing the Super Bowl? Yeah. Winning the Super Bowl. Words and stuff. I'm struggling as much as you are this morning. It's not good. Ryan, so. if a tree falls in the forest, though, is anyone there to hear it? So if you scream about getting 721 shiny Pokemon after 15,000 hours of your life gone, is there a dog there to comfort you? By the time, well, my timeline that I completed Friday at work was I want to complete it by the end of this year because of all the Pokemon stuff that came out with the new storage system. Okay. And they might be making the old Pokebank obsolete. Okay. So be married and have three kids by then. Yeah. So I have to complete the shiny Pokedex. I have to do the gentleman's challenge. I have to get a wife and kids and a dog by the end of this year. 12 months. Make it happen. All right. See you next year, folks. I'm going to be a totally different man. A new <laughs> otaku. That's right. <laughs> My number three, again, I just... So this is one of your stranded on island games. Yes. I have restarted this game on the PlayStation 3. I beat it on the Xbox 360. Last year, I replayed most of it. I got to Chapter 12 on the PC, playing on max settings. Breathtakingly beautiful. And I started again on the PS3. I'm about five chapters in. Oh. That is my favorite Final Fantasy game, Final Fantasy 13. Awesome. I absolutely adore this game. And Zach and Alec made a joke about me when their Games of the Decade episode on YouTube, please check it out, that I don't pay attention to the story and I didn't pay attention to the story in Final Fantasy 13. That's not true. Now, the story in Final Fantasy 13 is incredibly complex and nuanced in how it's delivered over the course of its 13 chapters. Yeah. There's just a lot to unpack there. However, I will say that the six characters that embark on this journey, Hope, Snow, Sarah, Lightning, Vanille, and Fang, it's those characters, and Saz, cannot forget him, he's probably my favorite character in the game, 
it's I guess seven those seven characters them driving the story to completion is what makes me adore this game so much just because of the the journey that they're individually going on and their motivations for going on this journey and how they interact and come to know all these different characters specifically Saz um, I love just the story of him and his son and all like the different um, callbacks and uh, I guess just scenes that you see with him interacting with his son and the baby chocobo and his afro it's just so so good I can definitively say that it has my favorite battle system in a JRPG. Really? I love the paradigm system. Of course, I love my action RPGs in Kingdom Hearts that you can kind of just mindlessly mash the X button and just swing your keyblade and just grind out a bunch of levels. But the paradigm system specifically, yes, you can kind of just go back and forth between these corridors, these these very linear levels, and just grind out and kind of mash the X button and do auto battle. But when you get into these very challenging boss battles or even just these challenging enemies that you come across in the standard areas of the map, it literally becomes a rhythm game because you have to understand the vulnerabilities of the enemy and you have to use the paradigm system and the different roles, the saboteur, the sentinel, the commando, the the medic, whatever role it is, to your advantage to understand what paradigms you have to shift through, again, at very specific moments because at the drop of a hat all of your characters could be near death when you're when your boss is you know starting to um channel this crazy attack you know a little alert will come over his head that he's gonna um power up and use this particular move you know that you have to shift your paradigm to make sure you're buffing up your characters enough just to clear um the attack and not die so all of that um the battle system the story the characters but Ryan, a JRPG is only good, as good as its music, right? Yeah. The battle system, again, I think I can definitively say it has my favorite battle system music. Mm-hmm. It's so, so good. But what I absolutely love in this game are the character themes. So the Final Fantasy games are known for their, their character themes. All the main protagonists kind of have a specific theme, just as Star Wars has Leia's theme, Rey's, Luke's, Vader, all of that good stuff. Yeah. One of the most eclectic mixes of music, though, you have... Snow, who's actually voiced by Troy Baker, that has this really angsty, heavy guitar riffs. And then you look at a character theme like Saz, who it opens up like you feel like you're in this underground poetry club, but then it transitions into this like, because it has that tap, like fast tapping of like a hand drum. Okay. And then it transitions into this like smooth jazz song. And you can't really hear jazz hands, but they're going off in the background. They totally are. <laughs> but my and favorite. Snaps. That's right. My favorite character theme in this game has to be a character that's not well-liked. And just, I guess, to speak to the characters a little bit, a lot of people, of course, have problems with Final Fantasy XIII. They thought it shouldn't even have carried the Final Fantasy name. I completely disagree with you. I think that just does disservice to the fan base that this game can't just be unique, original, a diamond in the rough, however you want to categorize it. Yeah, it's straight away from the Final Fantasy norm of having this open world to freely explore. But I think with those corridor-like levels, again, similar to how God of War is a closer perspective of Kratos rather than that far-out third-person view, Mm -hmm. it was a very intimate story, and it was specific to the characters. And I think those linear levels are a reflection of that, again, um, focus on story and the characters and the linearity of it all. So are most other Final Fantasies open world? Yeah, I mean, all a lot of the earlier ones, again, similar to like Nino Kuni, you had a very large open world that you kind of would travel across, and then you kind of go into those towns or into those dungeons or forests or what, whatever it might have been. Okay. 
So then is the new seven going to be that way? Like old style or do you know how that's? I don't know how it's structured. No, but I do want to play my favorite character theme in the game in Vanille because she's not the most well-liked character. Is that the, like, uh, is that the mage? She's the medic. Yeah. She's very magic focused. She has like the little, um, it almost looks like a whip for like a, a weapon. Yeah. It's very unique. But here is Vanille's theme. I hope you all enjoy it. We could listen to the whole thing. It's so beautiful. The soundtrack to Final Fantasy XIII is exceptional. I've been listening to it all week at work. It's over four hours long of composed music. Absolutely worth listening to the soundtrack from beginning to end. I think it is phenomenal. I love, love, love Final Fantasy XIII. I'm begging and pleading that Square Enix, for the next generation of consoles, releases an HD trilogy. I think XIII 2, while not as good as the, as the original, has a really unique take on the Pokemon system in terms of getting different monsters to, um, like, taming them and bring them into your party. So that third uh, character slot is specific for... Like a Charizard or something. Whatever Whatever random monster you come across. Whatever, yeah, monster you come across in the the open environments. You can recruit them and use them to your liking. Um, Can can you play the uh, Jazz Hand song real quick? I'm not curious. I do really like the piano. I think piano and violin are my two favorite. And I would say most of Final Fantasy XIII's soundtrack is very piano-focused, which is why I love it so much and why I've been kind of going back to it because it's like my comfort food game. The soundtrack to me is so calming and brings me at ease when I'm stressed. And I I haven't been super stressed the past week, but maybe a little bit just because Lauren's got so much going on and kind of have to take the reins. Yeah, you're you're like Scoob that feeds off Lauren's stress and gets stressed. Yeah, so I kind of needed something to kind of bring me back to Earth a little bit. Yeah. And Final Fantasy thirteen, like, it's just so easy for me to go back to that game. This is Saz's theme. I apologize if there is an... Um... All right, you ready? This is it. Yeah. It's so <laughs> is good. Is that mad? <laughs> it's so good. Okay. Oh, it's jazzy as hell. <laughs> is this like a poetry awesome. club? <laughs> Isn't that awesome? That is awesome. Dude, Saz is such a badass. He's got this awesome green coat, the afro with the baby chocobo in his head. He, his dialogue in the game is so brilliant. Oh, I love Final Fantasy 13. It honestly could have made my number one spot just because it is that good. 
Wow. I implore you to play it. I think it's just fantastic. Yeah, I played it a long time ago. That was, I think, on PS3. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I was ever... I don't know. It was a huge commitment. Mm-hmm. And I think I got like five to ten hours in. But that was it along the time of... Well, like, mom listened to like the games I was playing. And, yeah, I... I don't know. Anime, if you're you're not used to the stylistic, it's kind of questionable. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I, I am definitely willing to, because you've talked about it like four times now. Probably more than that. Three or four times. Yeah. I'm willing to try it again. You should. I love yeah. Final Fantasy Thirteen. Again, it could have made my number one spot. I recently ordered Lightning Returns, which is the third game in the trilogy. Again, oh. pits Lightning as being the main protagonist and playable character in the game. The only thing that I'm worried about and that kind of cautioned me from ever playing it is that there's a timer on the game. A timer? Yeah. Won't be playing that one. Yeah. So, But there are missions and I think items that you can kind of pause the timer or delay it. Yeah. So there isn't a whole lot of anxiety. That stresses me out. But like I, I, I find Dark Souls to be less stressful than timer games. Mm-hmm. Like I could never play that Moon Link game. Link with the Moon for two days. Yeah, Majora's Mask. Yeah. There's no way. Yeah. Well, I've talked enough about Final Fantasy XIII. It's phenomenal. Play that game, people. Ryan, what is your number three? Um, this is one of my island games. Um, it is Minecraft. Oh, very nice. Yeah. <laughs> I've put, I don't even know how many hours, probably bordering on where RuneScape is for thousands. number of hours. Yeah. Multiple thousands of hours. Um, it's just such a good game. It came out... Same day, the same day Skyrim came out back in 2011. Mm-hmm. So we've had what almost 10 years, which is nuts to think about. Yeah. There's so many options, and the game has grown so much from the days back in Alpha, where it was just building to survival mode to all the new changes that they've had. Just the mods too that you can yeah. implement in the game. Um, I've been playing it mostly on PS4, but the ability to play with friends create servers and just go out and explore and just screw around is pretty much endless and it's all hindered on your imagination which i tend to have once in a while Mm -hmm. the ability to use so except when i'm trying to form sentences it's Um, been a rough morning for us hopefully the listeners could cut us some slack (laughs) because we took a week off it's very challenging to come back to an episode halfway recorded and finishing it yeah and it's it's early. It's like eleven thirty. Yeah, it's it ain't easy being us. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard to knock life. Um, but yeah, it's just it's such a fun time going out and grinding mindlessly, mindlessly for resources. Yeah, and coming home from work and instead of playing a hard dif- like a Dark Souls game, you have the ability to let's go collect dirt and clear out a mountainside so that. Eventually, when I have the ability to use my brain, I can build something here. Mm-hmm. Or like, let's go breed cows for an hour and collect some coal. Or like, just mine up resources to prepare for this amazing castle that you want to build. Or go mining with your friends and see their structures. Um, it it's definitely takes a different type of person to play this game. And I think eventually I will convince you to go through this game with me. Yeah, I kind of got my feet wet a little bit with Portal Knights, but mm-hmm. not significantly enough where I'm like, I am all in. I want to go right into Minecraft and just lose hundreds of hours of my life. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think you should go in that way. I think you should go in, hey, we have a rusty Ryan Minecraft world, mm-hmm. and the only time we... I don't 
the only time we play Minecraft is when we play it together, trying to build something or uh, solve an issue or do whatever. Mm-hmm. Try to kill the Ender Dragon as the end game. Um, it's a totally different experience playing with people opposed to playing by yourself. Yeah. But it's a great game to watch Pete Door and mine some shit. Yeah. So I agree. Awesome um, choice. Endless Hours, I would definitely take this to a deserted island. No, that's a great game. Great game to take to a des- deserted island for sure. My number two game, I actually might kind of think it might be your number two game as well. Honestly, if I could only pick one game to play for the rest of my life, it would be this one just because the opportunities are boundless. I could never explore all of this world or do all of this game has to offer, and that is the Elder Scrolls V Skyrim. I didn't even include Skyrim on my list. What is wrong with you? I probably should have been in uh, the games like the outside of top ten. Jeez. But, All right, yeah. well, let me talk about Skyrim a little bit. I think I've probably put more hours into Oblivion. I think Oblivion is more colorful. And for me, I don't want to say it's more fun to explore because all of the dungeons were like copy-paste the same. But Skyrim, such an iconic opening to that game where you're brought in, you're a prisoner, you're about to have your head lopped off, and then this gargantuan dragon just lands on this building. All hell breaks loose. You escape with this dude, and he's kind of just like yeah, bro, see you never, and you're just in- introduced into this crazy large world, very similar to when you come out of the sewers in Oblivion or when you come out of the cave in Breath of the Wild. Yeah. You just see this crazy huge world that's left to explore. You can completely disregard the story and just pinpoint an area on the map and just travel to that. You might get clocked in the head by a 12-foot giant or a giant abominable snowman. Lydia, no! <laughs> or a crazy dragon. Like You could literally just be walking across this, this crazy large map, and you just hear this dragon screech. And you look up, and this crazy huge dragon is flying over you, breathing fire down on you. And you're like, oh shit! And you just have to, you know, book it and run. Or if you're equipped well enough, you can pull out a bow and arrow and take him out. Yeah. It's just such a great game. Again, I don't know how many classes that you could potentially choose from, but you have the Khajiit, the Nord, the... Dark Elf, the... Um, the High Elf, the Argonian. The Red Guard. Yeah, there's there's like at least a yeah. dozen different classes that you can choose from. You have the Dark Brotherhood, you have the Thieves Guild, you have the main quest line, you have three different DLCs, an endless number of mods if you play on PC... There's just so much to do in Skyrim. Yeah, you can fight Tom's the tank engine every time you see a dragon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just crazy stuff that you can, can never possibly imagine has been built for this game apart from the Bethesda developers that originally created it. Yeah. I love Skyrim so much. If I had a dream of a game when I was six years old, you know, with the broom pretending I was some medieval soldier, this was the game that I imagined and dreamt of when I was a young boy because... You get so lost and immersed into this world. The soundtrack by Jeremy Soule is phenomenal. It's probably my most listened to soundtrack because when I was studying for the CPA exam, on YouTube, there are 10-hour ambient Skyrim soundtracks where it could be night, day, the exploration tracks, whatever it is. They even add rain effects and all of that kind of stuff. It's basically ASMR, super therapeutic, chill music that you can listen to fall asleep to, study to, whatever it is, I've probably listened to thousands of hours of this soundtrack because I studied for the CPA exam for thousands of hours. It's just so good. I can never say enough things about Skyrim. It is my forever desert island game. I love it. 
So what's your favorite class to play as? Um, recently, I would probably say the Dark Elf, Elf because there's like an emphasis. I'm always a, a stealth build. Yeah. I love my stealth bow and arrow character build. Um, it's so hard for me to depart from that. Like I know you've you've encouraged me to do kind of a, a full-on mage build. It's so challenging for me for me to not have my bow and arrow and to sneakily make my way around these different dungeons, and just pick people off. Yeah. No, I definitely I tend to go conjuration stealth, so you can instantly summon a daedric bow and stealthily kill people yeah but through the summoning you can level up your uh, archery really quick so you become more stealthy yeah um it's, it is a great game i've played so much of that game what what class have you not played as more than half of them really oh yeah i've never played as the argonian i've never played as i started a khajiit build on pc i named him simba Nice. Or Mufasa? I can't remember. He's another stealth build. <laughs> <laughs> he is, yeah. Uh, it's Yeah, it's so challenging me for not to not do that. I'm not really sure. I mean, maybe the High Elf, because I've done I've definitely done the Dark Elf. Yeah, High Elf's magic. Yeah, that's that's why I didn't really go that route. Red Guard, I don't think I've ever... I might have started one, but they're like two-handed and fists. Mm-hmm. Two-handed's pretty cool. Yeah. Like a dragon axe that kind of looks like a, one of those guillotine or uh, whatever. Hmm. Those guys who kill people and chop off their heads. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I cannot say enough good things about Skyrim. It is my, again, forever Desert Island game. Nice. So, Ryan, what's your number two? My number two is kind of a combination the same way you did a collection of, like, Uncharted or uh, Tall Tale. Yeah, Tall Tale's The Walking Dead. Um, It is all the FromSoft games, the uh, Dark Soul 1 through 3 and Bloodborne. Bloodborne. Okay, so if you had to choose one. I know that's very challenging. It's like choosing your favorite Pokemon. I would say the most variability is Dark Souls 3. Mm-hmm. You can literally beat the game with hundreds of weapons, and Bloodborne kind of pared it down to like 20 weapons, but they have two different forms. Mm-hmm. I love the uh, Lovecraftian style of Bloodborne and how creepy and eerie the style is and the architecture and just... It's just a gross game. Mm-hmm. But then if you get into kind of like Skyrim, that classic RPG, let's go fight dragons and go into the castle kind of game, you got Dark Souls 3, which has a really complex plot that is pretty cool. Um, I, They're just amazing games. They're difficult, but they're rewarding, and I think that's why everyone plays them. Absolutely. Um so I'm excited to see what they do with Elden Ring. Mm-hmm. Um, I've talked about these games so many times, um, so I'm not going to go into... Ton of, we had an entire episode on these games. We did, yeah. Um, Born to Fat Roll, episode four. <laughs> I don't know how you remember all these episode names. and Dude, I don't remember story in video games, but somehow I remember stuff about this podcast because Otaku Hood for Life, right? Join the Brotherhood. That's right. The Dark Brotherhood. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I'm curious what this to see if they continue their excellence in Elden Ring, um, and Sekiro is along the same lines of being awesome. I'm separating it from the um, Bloodborne, Dark Souls, though. So. Okay, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, they are stylistically and structurally very different games. Yeah, but Bloodborne and Dark Souls are kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd still say the Dark Moon Blade. 
Yeah, I think that's right. Is my favorite from Mothra? Yeah, the Moonlight. Great sword. I, I mean, it's, it's Moonlight. My, great sword, Ryan. Moonlight. Wow. Because Jesus, <laughs> that was a struggle. Yeah, dude. UK. Yeah, no, the... I'm kind of hyped up on Whatever I right just now. said was, it's actually an enchantment that you can put on your swords. Nice. Yeah. Moonlight Greatsword is in my thumbnail of this podcast. That's right. The logo of this show. So, yeah, great games. Um, what is your number one? The listeners probably already know it if you've listened to any episodes prior to this one. It was a game that kind of dethroned my love. Not my... Didn't dethrone my love of Kingdom <laughs> he Hearts. He hates his old number one now. But... Um, the Last of Us. It should be no surprise. If you've listened to a number of shows for this podcast, you will know that this is my favorite game of the last decade. It's just fantastic. I love the story of Joel and Ellie. And I guess just to preface this by saying, like, for the longest time, I have a phenomenal a phenomenal dad. I love my dad so much. What he's done for me and the patience he's had for both my sister and I, the hell that we've put him through over the past 26 years of my life, 28 years of my sister's, He's just been, he's always been there for my sister and I, and I want nothing more to also be a dad and be there for my future kids. Introduce Joel, yeah. who, spoiler alert, it happens in the first 10 minutes of The Last of Us. I'm not really spoiling too much here. Joel's daughter, Sarah, dies within the opening moments of this game after this apocalypse breaks out. And he's completely broken and just shattered inside he's just not the man he once was flash forward however many years after the apocalypse began and he runs into this really rattled bratty girl called ellie and you know they're bickering for throughout most of the game at least the first half of it they kind of hate each other ellie's just really broken because she was she, again, very much like AJ in The Walking Dead, didn't have a life to compare to before the apocalypse. So she was kind of born into this crazy world. But just the sacrifices that they end up making for one another, um, it really is like a father-daughter-like relationship that ends up being established. And they, the length Joel, Joel especially goes for Ellie is just quite honestly insane. And there's just so many moments in this game that I literally teared up just because of when they embrace and he just the things that they say the dialogue the delivery by both troy baker as joel and ashley johnson as ellie is just phenomenal i mean it's honestly oscar worthy it's i I just wish there was a movie of last of us like i almost didn't even want to play the game i just wanted to watch it take place because it's just so emotionally moving and powerful and the last two hours of this game is just batshit insane well there's one scene at the end or towards the end where I guess they're bonding over what they're seeing, and it's, like, tear-worthy. It's probably... I don't want to be that hyperbolic here, but it's probably, like, top three moments in video games for me. Yeah. Just because it is... There's so much chaos before and so much chaos after the fact or after this particular moment in the game, but it's just this one moment of pure joy and absolute serenity of Ellie and Joel just looking off in the distance and what they're witnessing is just pure innocence. Yeah, It's a world that they're never going to have back, but they get a small snippet of time where they can just forget about the reality that they're, they find themselves in. And I just think it's so beautiful. And I hope that Naughty Dog, in their, all of their brilliance, can create moments like that in The Last of Us 2. I have so much um, hope that they will deliver on the second yeah. game, but there's just so much pressure that they're riding to deliver a game that, you know, they can 
um, that comes after already, in my opinion, a, a 10 out of 10. Like, it's just such a perfect game. Very much like Uncharted 4. I can't say enough good things about it. It's just such a such a great story. Yeah, I, I think Naughty Dog deserves way more credit. Um, I mean, it, it got a ton, and it gets a ton. But for one, being an ethical company when it comes to their games, and then two, being able to put out extremely high-quality stories that never really let them down. I mean, they did Uncharted. They did The Last of Us. I think they have a few other ones. Well, even prior to that, I mean, they did the Crash Bandicoot games, which were terrific platformers on the PlayStation 1, and even making its way onto the PlayStation 2. Jack and Daxter are some of my favorite 3D platformers, specifically the Precursor Legacy. It's such an excellent, traditional, no-gimmicks 3D platformer. It's just phenomenal. And then you introduce Uncharted and The Last of Us. Like, it's, un- like Naughty Dog can do no wrong, in my opinion. Yeah. They're just so good. Yeah. It's crazy to think they came from platformers to Uncharted to The Last of Us. Yeah, I mean, the storytelling in those games, for me, is unparalleled. It, they're just so good. Yeah, they're definitely worthy of a movie. And I think they are. Isn't Tom Holland going to be... <sighs> if that ever happens. That's a pipe dream movie. They're now on their sixth director. Oh. So someone just picked it up, and apparently filming is supposed to start next year. But whether it actually is driven to completion, I don't know. Which, which sucks, because I feel like Tom Holland has the potential... I don't want to say to rival Harrison Ford and Indiana Jones, but I feel like he could be, like this could really take off and be something really special. Yeah, and uh, Spider-Man is a hell of a starting point for a career, mm-hmm. and I think he's going to only go up. I hope so. I I hope that happens, because that would be amazing. He's got such a good personality, and I think off camera, he's just a good person. Yeah. You know, so... And if you haven't seen him on Lip Sync Battles, Dancing in the Rain, or Singing in the Rain. Oh my gosh. It is hot. So good. Rihanna's umbrella. (laughs) I want some of that umbrella. Yeah. So my number one is... Does it start with an M, Ryan? No, it starts with an S. So the reason I delineated the Dark Souls and the Bloodborne from Sekiro is because Sekiro Shadows... Get the fuck out of here. Is my number one. It's... It revolutionized the series in such a different way that the only thing that could beat that is Monster Hunter World. How was that not your number one? You it spent- is my number one. <laughs> oh, <I'm just> kidding. <laughs> I was like, what? Yes, yeah, Monster Hunter World. Um, I had never played a Monster Hunter until this point, and I've tried going back to the other ones because Rick and Ben, again, being bad influences with Pokemon, have played those games so often i think they put like 600 plus hours into ultimate Mm -hmm. on the switch um but seeing this game i was confused what it was because i had never really seen it it's only been really japanese releases for some of them and they're all on handheld so i was never really into it um and i was like what the hell is this game where i can go and fight a dinosaur and get its stuff and then wear it. Mm-hmm. And then watching some of the beta play and like the, I guess, alpha or beta release of it, the first time look at this game and watching people play these or kill these monsters and just, it looked amazing. And I was like, what the hell? I need a like, I was confused whether I was going to get it. And I ended up getting it and playing it with Rick and Ben, who had been playing it for hours at that point. Mm-hmm. And my PlayStation logo is Nerdgigante, which is the flagship dragon of this game. 
and or Elder Dragon, and it's just I don't know the the gameplay loop is so amazing when it comes to the replayability, the grind, and just being able to like pro- just the progression of your character is amazing. Mm-hmm. Like I could start over right now on my character that's completely like maxed out if you decide to play because every your character stays at same base stats and everything is dependent on your gear so i could start at the like lowest level people right now but the ability to fight a monster get its stuff improve your gear a little bit improve the amount of time it takes to kill that monster and then go into the next monster which is still hard and then slowly like claw your way up to killing these ridiculous dragons that are shooting like energy beams and just like summoning tornadoes and like lava and like everything there's such a variation between all the monsters and you get the classic callbacks of monsters and then the new ones um and then building upon that with iceborne it's for i think it was like 40 bucks it's an entirely new game the same size as the first Mm -hmm. base monster hunter world um and i've in total put about 300 and 84 hours into it and if i wanted to grind out and that's only with one weapon i yeah. use the insect glaive which is just me chucking a bug at stuff getting its juices mm. and then powering myself up with the juices of a monster <laughs> it's as hot as it sounds um you can search insect glaive uh, erotica on pornhub if you really want to see my gameplay yikes um but it, it's a game if you like RPGs and you like grinding out, improving your gear, and then seeing the gear change of your monster, it's okay. It's um, a game that's worth trying, mm-hmm. and it's I think the second full year since release of this game. Yeah, I think January of two thousand eighteen is when. It and they still have another year of impl or. So it's going to be a three-year life of it. Mm -hmm. And unlike Activision games or unlike EA games, they're still incrementally releasing stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, And a lot of which is not something you have to pay for. Like, they're just Yeah, they're still releasing monsters. And they have plans and a timeline to release shit all the way through the end of this year. That's awesome. Um, And... It's right now. There's a festival going on celebrating the players mm-hmm. for their two-year anniversary of the game, and I think I don't know if it's a a Japanese thing, but it's so much like they never expected it f- to release in the West mm-hmm. as mo- well as it did, and they're just giving thanks to all the the players. So my cat is now dressed up as an alien. Your palico, <laughs> yeah, my palico. Um, so it's a game worth playing. Um, it's two years into the release, but it's still thriving with people. So. Awesome, man. Well, I think it was quite the decade for video games, Ryan. Yeah, it was. I cannot wait sure. to see what 2020 through 2029 brings us. Hopefully, Final Fantasy 13 4. In 10 years, when we're still recording this, we'll let you know. Yikes. What Can you decade. imagine where we'll be in 10 years? I don't even want to think about it. What we do want to think about is the listener emails. You can write into the show. I do Talking to Brothers podcast at gmail.com if you want to suggest show topics ask us a couple questions send in an audio question whatever you want to do we have four emails to get through so this is probably going to run over three hours monster show for you fine folks travis sent in this email when was this saturday june 8th 
2019 at 12.26 a.m. He sent in his top childhood games and then his top 10 kind of adulthood games as well. He separated, which kind of inspired the idea for this podcast episode to begin with. But here we go. He says, here's my list for the past decade. Number 10, Legend of Zelda, A Link Between Worlds. Loads of nostalgia wrapped up in a shiny new package. Number 9, Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword. Mention my background on this one during the bracket. He did a very um, emotionally, a very emotional time for him, and this got him through a very, I would say, dark time. So mm-hmm. games can do that, which is wonderful. Skyward Sword, phenomenal. Almost made my list. Number one honorable mention. Number eight for him, Dead Space. I really wish I'd gotten around to two and three before I sold my PS3. I love space horror. The ambiance and clanking of metal in a floaty, floating tin can. Number seven, Uncharted 4, a great swan song to a great series. It's funny, his number seven was Uncharted 4, as was mine. Number six, Rayman Legends, the platformer of the modern age. I'd argue it's ukulele. Number five, Metroid Prime 3 Corruption. The addition of Wiimote controls really worked. Can't wait for four. Number four, Marvel Spider-Man, the most fun I've ever had playing a video game. I would very much agree with that. Number three, Hollow Knight. I can... I could say way too much, but he doesn't. Number two, God of War 4. As someone who had zero interest in the original trilogy, this reimagining was stellar. Fantastic story and gameplay that sticks with you. Number one, no surprise here, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. No other game has held my attention for literally hundreds of hours and has still left me feeling I could play hundreds more. Yeah, definitely great games. A solid top 10 for sure. Nolan, friend of the show, hosts the Young Nostalgia Podcast on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. Please give him a listen. He says, good morning, fellas. Hope this makes it to your inbox before you hit the record button. Well, Nolan, considering you sent this November 23rd, you got in in the nick of time. (laughs) (laughs) It was close, but we'll we'll read it. Yeah. Yeah, Don't worry. Glad to have you guys back and hope this break was a good reset for you both. It's been two months. It's been a hell of a good rest, Nolan. (laughs) (laughs) Number- I slept for two months yeah. in my hibernation period. Uh, I'm going to go five to one here because he listed one first. Number five, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. This game consumed nice. so much time for me and my friends when we hung out. We spent hours playing Spec Ops missions, trying to perfect them, and the story was great. God, yes, Spec Ops and Modern Warfare 2, getting the three stars was like nearly impossible, but my goodness, I'm with you, Nolan. I spent so much time with my buddy Nick doing that. I feel that this defined an era of first-person shooters that had been hard to recreate. This, along with Halo, really showed me what couch co-op is, and ever since, I've been aching to have that experience over again with a new game. If you have any suggestions, let me know. Would love to try it out. Big recommendation for me, Nolan, is Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Vegas 2, a phenomenal, I would even say unparalleled couch co-op game for me personally. I spent probably over a thousand hours playing that game. Excellent tactical shooter. He says, number four, Stardew Valley. This game sucked wow. so much time out of my life, but I'm not upset. Coming off of loving The Sims, this was something that felt so at home and was easy to sink into and not feel pressured to actually do well. I think the whole pace, artwork, and music's music brings um, such an awesome change of pace with the fast-moving game wor- world. Exciting to see what that concerned ape does next. You gave me your game, Stardew Valley. Yeah, I couldn't get into it. There's just a lot to manage if you will okay. I, I didn't give it its fair shot though i only is, played it for like an hour does it have a time limit to how many days you can play or is this like unlimited days no i think it's just unlimited because i know 
The one Lauren played, I think there was limited time, right? I don't know. Okay. It started with a moon, Harvest Moon. Is there a limited time to Harvest Moon? There's like 400 Harvest Moons games, dude. I don't okay. know. Yeah. Harvest Moon, Return of the King. <laughs> <laughs> the King of the Garden. This is awesome. Number three, Halo says, all he says for Halo 3, Forge. That was the shit. Yeah. Good stuff. Excellent choice, Ryan. Ryan. Nolan. Number two, Mass Effect We also two. called him Halo. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, Nolan. I'm not... Halo writes in with his favorite game being Halo. <laughs> Whatever. Number two, Mass Effect 2. I'm a huge nice. fan of the Mass Effect series, and Mass Effect 2 was the height for me. They mastered the third-person shooter combat system, and the story had me on the edge of my seat the entire time. This game really made me realize what a game can do to get you so invested in not just your character, but your team and the people around you. Absolutely loved it, and the music is amazing. Of course, right? I know Rusty likes the music feels too. <laughs> Speaking of, we're actually going to do a, uh, Nolan a solid here and play the Mass Effect to... Um, oh, gosh. What's the theme? I don't really know what it is. Oh, gosh. I don't know what the theme is, but when you're trying to figure out where you're going to explore on the map, okay, there's just this theme that plays, and it's just so, so damn good. Nolan, everyone that's played Mass Effect knows what I'm talking about. I'm sorry I don't know the actual title of the track. If you do... Could you just do Mass Effect, like... Drop it on the Discord. Map theme? I can try that. Just do keywords. See if it pops up. Yes, this is it. Here you go, folks. Look at that. I spent so much time in this screen. Just reminds me of Interstellar. Yeah. Really good stuff. Number one from a hit for him. Couldn't agree more, uh, Nolan. He says, Skyrim. Duh, right? Everything from the music to the mechanics and storytelling, this game has defined the past decade for me. Crazy to see that it's now over eight years old. In my opinion, definitely still holds up. The music has become such a nostalgic experience for me that makes me want to pick up the controller and pop it in again. Could not agree more. Jeremy Soule is just an excellent composer that really makes you get immersed in the gaming worlds for the games that he's composed the soundtracks I've to. I've created such a list of games to play over this last like top five that we just gone through today. I you, have, you need to get the Mass Effect games, man. You need yeah, to play those. I will have the, on PS3 the entire trilogy. You need to play those. They're yeah. amazing. Weren't people disappointed with how the third one ended? Well, I mean, there's like a hundred different endings, but... No, there was like three different endings, but oh, was there? the overall ending is the same. Oh, is it? it, it Did you beat them all? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I played them back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, no, I'm serious. I got the trilogy on Xbox 360 back to back to back. I didn't play anything wow. else. Yeah, for weeks. Nice. So good. I think I beat the first one up into a point where my game glitched. Mm. And I couldn't get to the final place. And then I quit because I, it was disheartening. Yeah. So They're really, really good games. Did they ever remake them for PS4? No. Or you have the ability to get them? It's interesting because Andromeda was just a shadow shit on. show yeah it was not received very well <laughs> well there's that iconic uh like meme of like my face hurts and it's like a girl like wincing and her eyes are huge and it's like looking in different directions looks like she's having a seizure oh, if you yeah look up andromeda and like my face hurts i want to play andromeda because i've actually heard from diehard mass effect fans that it's actually a pretty decent game hmm. it's just kind of a glitchy mess but yeah how why they never bioware created an hd trilogy for those games is just beyond me because they would have sold like Wrapped gangbusters. Up. Yeah. 
He closes the email by saying, as always, you guys rock and your show makes my Mondays. Stay golden pony, boys. Nolan. Thanks, Nolan. Really appreciate it. I love your podcast, Young Nostalgia. Everyone should check it out. Chronolink9 says, top fives, childhood and adulthood. Yikes. We got a big email here, folks. The way you guys uh, formed the list was fine, but I have a... (laughs) (laughs) But fine. Fuck you guys. (laughs) But I have a very difficult time parsing out the console generation versus when I actually played them. My list may end up being looser as a result, but I don't know. We shall see. Hope I make it before the recording. Well, considering you also wrote in on November 23rd, you made it in in the nick of time, Chrono. Childhood, honorable mentions, he says, Super Mario RPG, Star Fox, and uh, Star Fox 64, Tales of Symphonia, Mega Man X, and every other Zelda game. Number five, Pokemon Gold and Silver. Gotta nice. be the game that I still daydream about. This Pokemon did everything a sequel should and totally captivated my imagination. I think Ryan and I can collectively agree, especially the reveal that you get to go back to the Kanto region and fight those eight gym battles. I wish they'd do that again. Or have a game where you could go to multiple regions. Like, I don't care if it's, like, 3D graphics like the new Sword and Shield or what's Sun and Moon or X and Y. I would love old-style, like Omega Ruby style but you can visit four regions or five regions you can chuck that amount of data in a switch card probably i mean you can chuck a breath of the wild into a chip card yeah. or a switch card so i don't know how much data that'd be interesting to see but gold and silver plus i mean because that has the first region plus the third games and the fourth games and the fifth games until they became i just need the first three regions honestly yeah me too what was even the fourth region is that black and white, or was that... Diamond and Pearl. Diamond and Pearl. Mm-hmm. So that's like Arceus, or not Arceus, uh, Palkia, Dialga, and Giratina. Evil Guy. Giratina from yeah. Platinum. Number four for Nolan, or not, gosh, man, I'm not doing the listeners well this episode. I'm this sorry, This is everyone. from Halo 2. Yeah. <laughs> Number four, Golden Sun and Golden Sun The Lost Age, another game which was a huge influence on me and captivated my imagination, still to this day. I'm coming up with D&D campaigns set in this setting to, quote, write a sequel to the Dark Dawn to Dark Dawn, since that one ended on a cliffhanger. Adore the magic class system in this game and the world more than anything. And uh, Chrono so graciously gifted me Golden Sun and the Lost Age on Game Boy Advance. That's and, exactly what I was put, typing into my phone, Golden Sun, to look it up, look up gameplay. Yeah, and Golden Sun was one of my gentlemen's challenge games that I was tasked with playing, so I cannot wait to hopefully get to that great jrpg on the game Boy advance speaking of jrpgs number three for him is chrono trigger an rpg that he remembers my brother or he i remember my brother talking about and having not the slightest inkling of what he was talking about the first time i played it was an emulator on an old computer we had where it would chug to process the game but i was so interested in where the story would go i didn't care great music well-developed characters a tight fun battle system and a brilliant story that makes this game one I recommend to newcomers and veterans of the genre alike. Yeah. Couldn't I got agree more. To the second world, mm-hmm. I think. Like the second time jump. I would it's say that the DS version is the definitive way to play that game. Yeah. Really good stuff. Number two, Super Mario 64. My childhood in a nutshell, he says. Running around and jumping, swimming, wall jumping, etc. were fun activities in and of themselves. Collecting stars in 15 increasingly challenging levels was just something I felt so satisfied by when I was younger. The music is etched in my soul. Thank you, Mario. I agree. Yeah. Such a brilliant game. Just How many hours in that game? I think I've beaten it twice. 
on the original and 64 plus on the remake the ds version yeah number one for him the legend of zelda ocarina of time what hasn't been said about this game critically i wasn't allowed to play this for a long time because i didn't own it and my parents seemed to think i wasn't able to handle ganon or something when i finally did (laughs) it was magical hey ganon was kind of scary man yeah he was a giant pig his adulthood games, Ryan, we are moving into the last decade. Honorable mentions for him, Persona 5, The Last of Us, Super Mario Odyssey, Final Fantasy 7 and 15, and I think he says 7 because he probably didn't play it until um, his adult life, and similarly, every other Zelda game. Number five for him, Kingdom Hearts 2. This game made an awful, this game, me- I think he meant to say made, or, this game meant an awful lot to me, I think is what he meant to say. Okay. When I played it the summer between my freshman and sophomore year of college, I really got invested in the convoluted story, loved the many gameplay and combat improvements from the, the first game, yeah. and adore the soundtrack, which has only improved since the remix versions have been released. Completely agree, as you would expect me to, Chrono. Yeah, that was definitely a step up from the first game. Oh, yeah. Just the platforming and absolutely, in every regard. Yeah, and you get to see a heart moon. Blew my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Number four, Overwatch. I'm in a weird place wow. with Blizzard right now due to how their China branch dealt with uh, Blitzchung and their overall stance on the Hong oh, Kong protests. And now StarCraft 3 release. Who? Second lowest rated Metacritic score of all time. You mean Warcraft 3, the remake? Warcraft, whatever. StarCraft. What's it on Metacritic? 0.8. No. What? User score? Oh, well, that's user score. You don't. It's a 63. Don't put a whole lot of stock in that. No, they... Okay, so you have to watch some of the news on it, but basically they promised a lot of stuff at E3, like improved graphics and like all these other things, and then they just didn't do any of it and release the game just extremely saturized. Mm -hmm. That's right. How you say that, right? Um, Saturated the color-wise and just... They ended up deleting the old game so that the old players could or have to play on this new game Mm -hmm. and it's just a huge debacle okay okay it's turning into fault 76 yikes chrono goes on but i can't deny the influence overwatch still continues to have on me it's a wonderful team-based fps where every character feels unique powerful in their own way and useful the frequent balance changes and hero additions also keep the game fresh between updates it's a game i haven't played in a while due to how i have to play catch up but it pretty reason it's, but it is pretty responsible for making me need to do that to begin with. Never played Overwatch. I would really like to, but I feel like it's probably almost too far gone now to go in. I feel like it's probably only veteran players that play it. Yeah. Number three, Katawa Shoujo. Almost made Ryan's list. Yeah. A little indie, I've heard of that one. <laughs> a little indie visual novel about navigating the connections between imperfect people and love. The main oh. cast just so happens to have all just so happens to all have physical disabilities, but it's everything else that defines them that makes the game so much more powerful than it otherwise could have been. Very frank, sweet, and mostly tasteful depictions of romance and sex, and one of the most memorable, melancholic soundtracks I've ever heard make this game one I wish I could experience for the first time again. Nice. I remember hearing you talk about this during the Tarkaron Games of the Decade discussion. Definitely need to go back and check that one out. Number two for him, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. This game, and the Switch in general, came out at a perfect time for me. Dealing with a very weird breakup and unemployment definitely made it feel like the whole ton of this game was speaking personally to me, and I loved it for it. It's just a masterpiece through and through, and I look forward to going back to it someday soon. Very nice. I need to play Breath of the Wild. Yeah, you'll have to play the the hard mode 
of that one. It definitely redefines that play style. They add a they add a lot of different things to it to make it more difficult, and it's yeah. As a veteran coming back to it, it's it's a good time. Awesome, number one for him. I applaud Chrono for being. I think we both kind of evangelized the love for this game. Final Fantasy Thirteen nice. is his number one. I can preach the gospel of this game to an audience of none all I want, but this game means so much to me. It changed my perspective on what games could be and what kinds of unique stories and characters they could have. I hope history is more favorable to this game than its detractors have been, but it will be my favorite probably forever. I agree with you wholeheartedly, Chrono. I adore everything that Final Fantasy Thirteen has to offer, and I am always itching to get back to that world, as I recently have in the PlayStation 3. And I implore everyone to check that game out and give it its fair shot. Josh, friend of the show, Frantic Thoughts Podcast. Check him out as well on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. A solo podcast, and he does not in strides. He says, hey guys, figured I'd write in with my top five games of my adult life. There are more, and I could easily swap these with probably dozens of games, but at this time, I can safely recommend these games and would play them all again right now. So here we go. Let's do this thing. Night in the Woods is the first game he mentions. This is a small independent game where you play as a girl from a small town, returning from college after dropping out. It's played in a 2D perspective, but it isn't about platforming. The game lives in conversation bubbles. It's very simple, but the story is worth reading through. Uh, thanks. He just says thanks in the middle of his sentence. <laughs> <laughs> the feeling that the main character... You're welcome. Ha- yeah. The, the feeling that the main character has really resonated with me personally. She feels almost lost and entirely unsure about her future. All of her friends and family have moved on and grown, but has she? It touched me at just the right time in my life, and I think about it all the time. I'll check that out. Have not played Night in the Woods. Celeste. This is a tough platforming game along the lines of Super Meat Boy, but the best part about about it is the difficulty as a metaphor for self-actualization and learning to love yourself. Anyway, yeah, this game freaking rules, and I highly recommend it. And the writing in that one also is amazing. Is it? Yeah, some of the side characters that you meet along the way, they're just hilarious. They're just like on a like an Instagram trip, like trying to become famous in Instagram. And you're like, what's going on? We're on the side of a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Spider-Man PS4 is the next game he mentions. There are so many things to love about this title, from the beautiful graphics, perfect music, impeccable acting and story, to the excellent gameplay. This is the most fun I've had being a superhero in a video game, and that's a tough act to follow yeah. um, when there are the Arkham games out there. I completely agree. I mean, for for so long, Spider-Man 2 was my favorite um, superhero game, then Arkham Asylum, Arkham City. Never thought the Arkham games could be dethroned, but Spider-Man absolutely shattered those games for me. He also mentions, Ryan, another game here, a little game called Minecraft. Oh, I could you. go. I like you. <laughs> <laughs> You're cool. You can stay. (laughs) I could go on and on about how excellent Minecraft is. I actually think it might be the perfect video game. Minecraft is a game about shaping the world around you. It's a game about taking something foreign, something someplace strange, and breaking it all down, and then building it up and making it yours. It's truly something special. Yeah, there's a video that I have saved on my YouTube channel. It's like the first day in Minecraft, and it's like a cinematic of the progression of a new player coming to a new world. And basically seeing this empty cliff Mm. and then starting out that journey. And you just see the progression of his builds and his journey to beating the dragon at the end. And it's got amazing piano music in the background. Nice. Nice. His final 
game that he mentions here, Ryan. I very much appreciate. Kingdom Hearts, the story so far. This one is a little bit cheating, I think, since it's a collection of all the Kingdom Hearts games that lead up to three. These games were something I had played a good amount as kids, um, having played the first quite a bit when I was younger. As an adult, I decided to take the plunge and get caught up with the series. For two years, I was constantly playing Kingdom Hearts games in the background and loving every minute of it. Every awkward voice acted cutscene, every plot twist that twisted itself so much that it fell off the line and then twisted some more, every weird reinterpretation of a Disney movie, I loved it all. These games are so easy to pick apart, but their unending charm and optimism make them some of my favorite games of all time. It's an excellent series, warts and all. I completely agree. Yeah. It's very similar to uh, Final Fantasy 13 for me where the storytelling is so complex and convoluted and quite honestly, it doesn't make a lick of sense most of the time. But it's the characters of like Sora, Donald and Goofy, Riku and Kyrie, and every Disney character that you interact with and some Final Fantasy characters as well are sprinkled in there. It's, it's their motivations throughout those games that really drive it home and make it so great. I mean, I just love the Kingdom Hearts games, but I also love Disney quite a bit, so it makes sense. Just a little. He closes the email by saying, thanks for letting me share. I hope this isn't too long. No email's too long on the Otaku Brothers podcast. And feel free to trim down any of these parts as you wish. Wish you push the, uh, wish you yeah. preface the email with that, Josh. It's thanks a lot. definitely beginning kind of sense. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. We really appreciate the email. He said, love the show. Josh, a.k.a. Frantic Society on Twitter. Thank you to everyone that wrote into this podcast, especially for such a monumental episode talking about the games of the decade, the past 10 years of video games. As Ryan and I said, we are so much looking forward to the next decade in video games. And hopefully Ryan and I are here to report on video games the next 10 years. Yeah. Who knows where we'll be in a decade from now, but I know we have plans to continue uh, recording this podcast for the very foreseeable future. Yeah, as long as people like it and still enjoy us. Yeah. Well, this is a packed episode coming in at the Avengers Endgame mark in terms yeah, of timestamps. Yeah, we're about stamps. to pack it a little bit more because what we did forget to talk about is what our plans are for next week, as mentioned. In the That's show. why I have you as a co-host, Ryan, to remind me of the things I forget about. <laughs> yeah. What Ryan and I are going to do moving forward, because Nolan suggested kind of having shorter packed episodes of like, you know, 30 to 40 minutes kind of reviewing a particular movie, game, TV show, whatever it might be. Ryan and I are going to do that because it'll alleviate the stress of us having to prepare for episodes like this that are over the three hour mark to kind of have short, succinct, succinct episodes when real life gets in the way. We can kind of just come together, watch a movie and talk about it for 30 minutes. Yeah. So what we are going to review first, starting next week, we're thinking about dropping the episode middle of the week because we'd still like to continue talking about like the games we've been playing recently. You know, on, on Saturdays, it's kind of what we've been doing for the past 71 episodes. The movie we're going to review first is one I hope not many have seen to this point. It's called Parasite. Yeah. I don't know what to expect. It's a foreign film that's blowing up the interwebs right now, has a 99% on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm glad I'm going in completely blind because, again, I don't even really know what it's about. No, I have no idea. Watch the trailers. I, Yeah, there's a YouTube documentary on uh, Netflix. Not YouTube documentary. A Netflix documentary. At, uh, shit, no, I can't remember. Not Parasite. It's um, the coronavirus pandemic. Pandemic, okay. Yeah. And you're like, oh, this is something similar. And then I went in, I'm like thinking it was going to be about disease and stuff. And then I was watching it and I've, I have no idea what mm -hmm. it's about. And I watched every trailer and I'm excited to figure out what's going on because 
Yeah, 99 is hard to get. There are yeah. very few movies nowadays that are 99. That's very true. So Ryan and I have dozens of movies already carved out that we want to be reviewing for all you fine people. Uh, and what we're going to do, and Ryan and I have not solidified this list of bullet points that we want to hit, but in hindsight, our Rise of Skywalker review was way too long because, one, we reviewed it right after the fact of seeing it, and we didn't have a clear idea of what we wanted to hit on. Yeah. So we're going to have clear boxes that we want to check, criteria that we want to base our review on so that it's a very guided and structured conversation and that the 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 episode doesn't go on and spill over into like the hour mark. We want to really be like a 40 minutes or less short, sweet, to the point review of whatever it is that we're watching. And this will replace the Saturday episode for that week? Is that what we're... Occasionally, thinking? we're still trying to figure out what we want to do. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of thinking of maybe doing every two weeks just a Wednesday episode. Okay. Kind of popping on like a little 30-minute review of a movie for you guys out there. But in terms of ideas for movies, like occasionally I might end up dropping a, a polling question in the Discord for, hey, here's five movies we're thinking about watching. Which one would you suggest we watch? And also giving the listeners a chance to, hey, we're watching this movie in two weeks. Watch it alongside us. Send us an email so you can kind of just share your short, sweet, to the point thoughts about the movie, just so we can kind of have a, like a, a conversation can, about we this. We can give those variables, and they're apt to change with any feedback um, that we're going to be evaluating on. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if you structure the email like, "Hey, this is what I thought of music. This is what I thought of plot or character development or whatever," we decide on. Um, it allows us to go down the same lines that we go down. Exactly. So. Stay tuned for that. If you have any suggestions for criteria or even movies for us to watch, let us know. But I know some ideas that I have for myself and Ryan um, are the shockingly evil, wicked, whatever the... King or whatever that was. Well, no, those are two separate movies. The King with Robert Pattinson and Timothy Chalamet or whatever. And then there's also the movie that Zac Efron did about Ted Bundy. Yeah, that one's really good. I want to... Oh, you've seen it? Yeah. Yeah, so I'd like to watch that. And then there's also just a number of Pixar Disney movies that I haven't seen, like Coco, The Good Dinosaur, Princess and the Frog, just movies I just never got a chance to seeing. So I think it'd be fun for Ryan and I, again, just to have the short, sweet reviews for all you fine people out there. Okay. So yeah. stay tuned for that. Again, if you have suggestions, write into the show at Podcast at gmail.com. We have a lot of activity in the Discord, which I very much appreciate. The link is in the show notes, so please get in there. Join the Discord, I implore you. Free application on your phone. Just pop in there introduce yourself, and get in on the fun discussion. So thank you for listening to this crazy long episode. If you stayed till the end, we very much appreciate it. And uh, again, timestamps below if you don't want to uh, listen to the the many ramblings of Ryan and myself. At this point, if you're hearing this, you probably already have. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Ryan, any closing words for the listeners of this podcast? Uh, Just have a good week. We look forward to any feedback that you have for us. Apologize for the, the survey that we took said about two hours is a good time. We destroyed that so it, yeah. it'll be shorter in the future and look, we say on all episodes that are long that's true so. and look forward to our review of parasite next week yep see ya